Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. It's the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Jake McGee. Hello, sir. Hello, and Dave Somerville. Good evening. Good evening to you. Uh, gentlemen, week nine is done. Mm. Week nine is done, and there were some big stories in week nine. Some great games in week nine, and we're going to cover every single one of them. Um, and we're just going to jump straight into it because we've got loads to cover. And we start off with the Thursday night game between the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers at Akashur Stadium. In front of 65,969 fans, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we know they're going to come way above 500. They didn't disappoint this game. Not a lot happened. Bit of a boring game. They come away with a 20-16 victory over the Tennessee Titans with a touchdown pass from Deontay Johnson from Kenny Pickett um, with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. At no point did it look like this was ever going to be a points explosion. Um, I think we can all safely say that. It was one of the more boring games to watch from a neutral point of view. Steelers fans, though, are going to be happy. I mean, they're 5-3. and three. They're looking good They've so far you know in with a, a playoff spot titans dropped to three and five dave titans steelers what what was your impressions of this game what did you take away from it because other than some pretty good defensive play by pittsburgh i really didn't take many positives away from this or either team, uh, to be quite honest, because I mean, from what I saw, I, I watched the game in 40 and it was painful at times for both teams, I would say. Um, Will Levis, you know, he, he, he was coming into this game off, I would say, a high um, because he was just, you know, he, he see, I think he's going to be, um, he's starting out kind of like Mariota did, but kind of. Uh, well, for for a t- on the Titans level, he's bursting onto the scene a little bit. I mean, it's a low bar, but you know, he's, he's still bursting onto the scenes of Tennessee, uh, and then he's kind of getting brought back down to earth and the, the, up against the experience of Mike Tomlin. Uh, but what we do know and what we do have come to expect now is that Mike Tomlin just knows how to get it done. The scrappier the game, the more you're diving into Mike Tomlin's ballpark completely. Um, but you know, it, it's. I think there there was some positives for Will Levis. Uh, I, I I I the reason I'm focusing on him uh, is because I I think there's he's he's got the possibility of transitioning to be the Titans' number one quarterback, and I think that's what their plan is right now because they can see he has the potential. He just needs to be a bit more consistent, uh, and and some of his decision making needs to be a bit better at times. But I tell you what, though, Pittsburgh just all he wanted to do was run the ball. It just seems like there were so many plays that they just wanted to run the ball, run the ball, which I think was, you know, we like to see it because we're so used to quarterback plays. Um, obviously, if you've got Kenny Pickett, number one, well, you kind of need to run the ball. You need to be able to run the ball. But uh, Najee Harris, just I think he had one big run, if I remember rightly, and the rest was kind of meh. Every so often, he would pick up something good. Uh and it was uh, Jalen Warren. Am I right? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jalen Warren. He was the other one. Uh, that was he was kind of uh, running back number two. But um, 
Yeah, this was as scrappy a game as you can get. It kind of reminds me of this when the Steelers played the Rams. Actually, you know what? It was reminding me of every Steelers game this season. It's just a scrappy game that you just don't know which way it's going to go. There's maybe the odd one here and there where they just get hammered. But um, yeah, there were. I mean, the only kind of positive really for um, Pittsburgh, apart from the win, obviously, is that Kenny Pickett didn't get picked. <laughs> he only threw for 160 yards. Uh, which, you know, even 19 or 30 for 160 yards is not exactly, like, you know, it's not exactly something you think, oh, wow, yay, that's great. But they got it done. And that that's just the Mike Tolman way. Get just enough. I think it was Ben, ben Roethlisberger that said in the documentary uh, after they won the Super Bowl that it doesn't matter if, it's, if you get over the line by a quarter of an inch or a mile, you're over the line. So that's pretty much the Mike Tolman way. Yeah, uh, Jake. Now, now, Dave brought up the the, the running game for Pittsburgh. There, I mean, Pickens, George Pickens had one catch. Sorry, two catches yeah, for, for negative one yards. And it does seem like every Steelers game's a close game. Uh, it it feels like every game's just backwards and forwards, and they're still winning. Do you think they can carry this right through to the playoffs? What do you reckon, Jake? Absolutely not. Uh, especially with Pickens, <laughs> in in the world of toe taps and extreme catches right on the side, how Pickens couldn't get his second foot down when he was in the middle of the pitch basically was just astronomical. Um, I've not seen that in a long time. Like I say, so many times now you see it right on the corner or right on the edge of the play. Somehow the receiver gets two feet down. Pickens could have got about eight feet down and managed to get one. It was it was worrying. Um, that was Deontay Johnson's first touchdown, I think, since Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback. So he was very happy for that. Um, Will Levis played fine. Unsurprisingly, has been named a starter with Tannehill being the backup, considering yeah. he's out of contract at the end of the year. Um, and then at the end of the game, there was a very soft holding penalty um, against the Steelers in my eyes, which gave the Titans a chance. But Will Levis nearly threw an interception before finally throwing the interception into triple coverage. So, again, he just kind of reminds me of Jay Cutler. It just feels like I'm watching Jay Cutler. It's just like, you know he's going to do something cool, but you know he's going to do something stupid. And it's just like, you had to get a touchdown. You were down four. But thrown into triple coverage when your receiver's not even looking the right way, that's... That's just hoping. You're just hoping at that point. Yeah. Just, he was forcing the ball. Sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. I was just going to, he was forcing the ball, especially towards the end of the game. You know, he's, He seemed to be going into panic mode a little bit. Uh, very Carson Wentz-esque, but uh, we don't want to go into the, the, those details at all, really. Uh, but the, the only other thing I was going to say is that he kept, every time he threw to Hopkins, it's like he, he was missing most of the time. Every single time. I mean, he probably Hopkins got a couple receptions. But he kept targeting him over and over again, and he just could not find him. It was. I mean, to be fa- it, to be bizarre. fair to, to Will Levis, if I had DeAndre Hopkins, I'd be throwing the ball to him all <laughs> yeah, game long. I'll give him that. Him. You've got to throw to him. Yeah, probably. that's true. You've got to make the throws. Uh, Jake, your your analogy is actually spot on, Jake Cutler, because <laughs> massive. I mean, listen, Will Levis has got massive arm talent. We can all see it. That guy can throw that ball a long way. Um, maybe he's just sort of trusting his arm a little too much. You know, he is, he's still a, yeah, a young guy. He's got some learning to do. Um, I'm not surprised that he's the starter, though. Yeah, Tannehill has been so vanilla, so bland, and just... It, it's quarterback play. The 
opposite of Will Levis, the absolute opposite, just no excitement whatsoever. So I'm not surprised at all that uh, Levis see is the, the starter. See the bombs. That it, there, were, there were sometimes when he was just trying to throw bombs, just trying to force the play kind of thing. That Those remind me of a kind of un, un, unchiseled or, or less polished version of Justin Herbert. You know, he's got, he's got the same kind of... Um, that he's got the same arm strength, basically, Will Levis, but I think he's just a kind of inexperienced. Uh, I don't want to say less talented because I think he's got he's got potential as Will Levis. I think that that was the first, you know last couple of games especially it's been there to see, but uh, yeah, I think he's got a, a chunk a chunk of time to go yet. He certainly does. So we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to the Deutsche Bank Park in Frankfurt, mm-hmm. where the Miami Dolphins took on the Kansas City Chiefs in Germany in front of 50,023 fans. And the Chiefs ran out to a 21 to nothing lead in this one. Uh, started off with a touchdown pass from um, Mahomes to Rasheed Rice, and then a touchdown pass from Mahomes to Jarek McKinnon uh, early in the second, sort of late in the second quarter. And then with 33 seconds to go in the first half, uh, Tidy Kill takes a wide pass out from Tua. He gets hit, fumbles, and it's returned for a touchdown by uh, Brian Cook. And <laughs> 21 to nothing at halftime. And I thought, this game might be over. First time the Dolphins have been shut out in the first half in a long time. Um, but they did make a comeback in the third quarter. They scored two touchdowns. Uh, Cedric Wilson took a 31-yard pass from Tua. And then Raheem Mostert with a 13-yard touchdown run with 22 seconds in the third. But that was the end of it. It was backwards and forwards. But that was the end of the scoring. 21 to 14 to the Kansas City Chiefs. Dave, what did you think of this one? I mean, I don't think the scoreline reflects the story of the game because I, I think the Dolphins just couldn't really start. So they, were, they were kind of struggling early on. I mean, obviously it was 21-0 at the half, but I, I don't, I still don't think the scoreline reflects that first half. Um, the Chiefs just were pretty clinical early in, the, in that first half. But... Again, it was kind of flipped on its head because the Dolphins shut them out in the second half, which uh, you know is not an easy thing to accomplish either. But when you've got, I mean, the, the Dolphins' defense decided to start really playing, and they played their offense back into the game. But at the crucial moments, Tua is just not quite getting there against the big teams, which I said a few weeks ago. He's just falling ever so slightly uh, short. But uh, one of the things that I did kind of pick up on is that both quarterbacks were under 200 yards. And those two quarterbacks don't throw under 200 yards very often. Both quarterbacks were sacked multiple times, uh, two or three times, Patrick Mahomes two times. Um, there was no picks, which I think was the only real positive for two in this game. Uh, I mean, I mean, no player for Kansas City got more than three receptions. The, the, the main difference being is that there was something nine or ten players got <laughs> got multiple you know multiple receptions um but Tua has to find the other players that are not Tyreek uh and I mean he was throwing Jalen Waddle he was throwing to Jeff Wilson he was throwing to uh Ahmed all of them except only half of them were, were being caught and then Tyreek was getting apart from one uh obviously one touchdown uh, no, sorry, one big throw. 
he wasn't getting the space that he usually gets. He wasn't beating the people. They were ready for him. Obviously, in Kansas City, they know him very, very well, and they were ready for him. Um, I was disappointed that Kelsey wasn't in the game more, but I think Mahomes just wasn't really getting a chance. I think the, the Dolphins' defense did very well. The, it, this was a game, I think we can call it Fumble Town, or, or I, don't, I don't know what the name for for. Like a, a German fumble, a German fumble. That maybe that's not a headline. German we word for a fumble. Well, we, yeah, we can go for that, but we'll call it the German fumble event. <laughs> that was pretty. Oh, there's been a few um, of them. You, <laughs> oh god! Oh okay. no! I think we should maybe stop it there. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So, but what? I mean, yeah, okay. So, what? What? One of the, the key play was quite uh, quite near the end of the game. Um, you know, the, it it was Tua that kind of fumbled. The uh, the snap, I think it was fourth down at that point. Yeah. He fumbled the snap, and there was just no coming back from it. So, um, yeah, it's like the 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 main kind of takeaway I take from it is that the Dolphins are still falling just a little bit short against some of the bigger teams, and Kansas City are in need of something to really spark a, a playoff run this year. Obviously, but we know how special Mahomes is, arguably the greatest ever. But he can't do it on his own. And the Dolphins played well on defense in particular in the second half. Some teams might have had a look at that and thought, oh, maybe that's what we can do to stop the Chiefs. And vice versa as well with the Dolphins. The Dolphins are 6-3 and three now. Chiefs are still 7-2. and two, But the Dolphins have a long way to go. Even though they've got their speeds, you stop their speed, you stop the Dolphins. It's that simple. Yeah, Jake, um, as Dave said, so Mahomes, I mean, that's a... 185 yards, that's the lowest he's had in over two years playing. Um, and these Dolphins, we've we've already spoken about this. Dave mentioned it uh, the other week that the Miami Dolphins haven't beaten a single team with a winning record this year. In and, like 400 days. It's not even just this year. It's it's like, it's getting ever increasingly closer to 500 days. I mean, that's ridiculous. Their the wins this year have been... Um, they beat the Chargers, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Giants, the Panthers, and the Patriots again. So the only three sort of what you would class top-tier teams, Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, they've lost all three. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you think going forward with this Dolphins team? Because they need they need to be able to do something. Uh, eventually they're going to have to prove it. They can win 10, 11 games and get into the playoffs, but... This is going to just keep growing. The, the more it keeps happening, the more it's kind of going to build up mentally and they're going to go into the playoffs going, we can't win the big game. They need to shake it off and they need to shake it off very quickly because, say, you never want to be the team that, you know, we won October or we won November because it means nothing come to the playoffs. But you don't want to be going into the playoffs going, we really suck against big, good teams. And obviously in the playoffs, most of them are, are pretty good. There is always going to be a New Orleans Saints this year that is in the playoffs somehow. Um, sadly for the Dolphins, they won't be able to play them. Um, but there's bound to be one bad team you might be able to get. But come the championship game and the Super Bowl, you know these are your aspirations. Hmm. You're going in already mentally going, we're not going to win this game. What, yeah. do you, what do you guys think the Dol- is missing from the Dolphins? I, I I think it's more just consistency and gelling together because if you don't if on offense if Tua and Tyreek are not linking up they seem to be faltering. Yeah, but if they, if they're just going to be a one trick pony and that's it, then we've already seen you know you take that away. But mm-hmm. for, for example, in the Bills game, 
it's not that the Bills stopped the Dolphins every single drive. The Dolphins just could not keep up with them. And this game was almost the opposite of that. The Chiefs completely shut their offense down. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that the Dolphins' defense, as you said, Dave, they played well in this game. They only had, The defense only had 14 points. So yeah. The other seven came on that fumble return. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think well, the Dolphins didn't convert a third down until very deep into the third quarter. I mean, but I think just... what they're missing is, is mentality. The Chiefs' defense has allowed three yards per play on third down this season. That's the lowest in the NFL since 2000. And they've got Steve Spagnuolo, who's a well-respected mm. defensive um, head coach. And we, uh, like, well, was a head coach previously. And I think that's kind of what we said before. We see so many of these teams with great offensive minds and great offensive kind of geniuses. Um, but they always have this defensive coach who's been a head coach before or has been around the league. And that's what makes it work. And it, that's what helped the Saints. So we had Sean Payton. But when we got Dennis Allen as a defensive coach, it was perfect. You don't see many teams now with a defensive head coach doing like that's kind of not the the give and go these days. Um, I mean, but I think for for Miami, it's just the they just need to get the winning mentality into you know big games. Yeah, because they they're almost like a slightly more successful version of the Chargers. They've got talent, both sides of the ball, tons of talent. Uh, I mean, you look at the players that Miami defense, and they've got Vic Fangio. And he has coached up a few impressive defensive performances, but it seems to be when, you know, when they really need that defensive stop, they're not getting it. Um, I think this was one of the first games where they've had their cornerbacks actually play together. So yeah. they are getting healthier and, and hopefully down the stretch they do piece it together. But at the time being, they're kind of on fraud watch. That's yeah. That's it's similar to what I was saying. But the other, the only other thing point I was going to make was that uh, both teams were had there was quite a few penalties in the game as well. Um, I, the Chiefs kept letting the Dolphins back into it. You know, there was a few a few calls that was costly because I think uh, I've got it written down that they had nine penalties in the entire game. For the Chiefs had so it, at times it looked like they were trying to let the Dolphins back into it. But at the same time, you look at the offenses the. Dolphins were three or twelve on third down. The Chiefs were three or ten on, th- on third down. Neither team wanted to win this game. And then when the Dolphins were failing, then the Chiefs were kind of letting them just have that little bit of hope as well. So I, I think both of these teams have a lot of work to do. Yeah, a great advert for Germany, and now they've got the Colts Patriots this week. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note, gentlemen, we will move on. Uh, Speaking of taking the Lord's name in vain, Cleveland Brown Stadium, 67,919 fans watched the Arizona Cardinals come in without a quarterback uh, to take on the Cleveland Browns' best defense in the NFL, statistically. And this game was never in doubt. The Browns absolutely gave them a shellacking. 27 to nothing. The Cardinals had no chance in this game. Let's not kid ourselves on. Before this game, was even kicked off the Cardinals had no chance Dave I'll put it to you Arizona Cleveland what did you make of this I mean um, I thought this was going to be a kind of rival for for a 0-0 after the first quarter because of the state of things of, of the quality of play on offense on both sides 
Although I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything about Clayton Tune. He was throw. He wasn't even just thrown in at deep end. He was dropped in the middle of space, unable to see anything. It was just, it was horrific. He was eleven of twenty for fifty-eight yards, no touchdowns, two picks, and he was sacked seven times. And that could have been seventeen times. Miles Garrett is a wrecking ball, and you know, he he recovered a fumble. I mean, the amount of hits and pressures that man took. And then, of course, if there's so much uh, concentration on him, the other players are going to get through as well, which is pretty much what happens. Because, um, excuse me, I, I mean, uh, even like, Shelby Harris got a sack. Davin Tomlinson got two and a half sacks. Zadira Smith got a sack as well. Garrett only got one. But uh, it could have been 21. That, that That's just how clinical this man has been. Deshaun Watson, uh, I think was it. I think it was the voice of the NFL, Tim, that put into the group chat that uh, he's probably the most uh, like third or second on the list of I, I, the most paid, highly paid cheerleaders in the league. The voice of the NFL. Voice of the NFL. The win NFL. Okay. Right. I think Tim will take that voice <laughs> of the NFL. Promotion. Like, yes. promotion. He's like, where's That's my money? Will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of money, because the second on that list is the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders as the second highest cheerleader, <laughs> paid cheerleader in the NFL. And the highest paid cheerleader in the NFL is Deshaun Watson, because his stats do not tell the story of this game, uh, because he, he was 19 or 30, 219 yards, two, t- two touchdowns, no picks and one sack. That looks pretty decent, pretty solid. He was anything but. He took off a couple times for decent yardage. But he does not look the cat, the franchise quarterback the Browns thought they were getting. They put up twenty seven points, but that was just purely their defense. It was, I mean, the Cardinals were embarrassed after the first quarter. You thought, you know what, they could sneak something here. There's the slight chance if they can get at one drive going, they can get maybe one touchdown. They've got a chance, and then that just the most predictable thing happened, where they just kind of crashed and burned horrifically and could get nothing nothing done whatsoever um so yeah and it also says a lot that clayton tune was uh, arizona's highest rusher with five carries for 28 yards because between uh Keontae ingram rondell moore and tony jones they rushed a total of six they had 16 carries for 13 yards that is the state of what happened in this game so i mean the cardinals just they're they're tanking they they essentially are tanking their total yardage in the game was 48 yards effectively so there you go i had no sorry 58 yards I, I do apologize but you know just add on an extra 10 yards uh but yeah that's that there's just not no need to carry on with this game it was it was horrific to watch for oh i disagree this is this was a great game no. for little little nuggets there's four straight games with a rushing touchdown for cream hunt the Browns' first shutout um, since the Blizzard game, which finished 8 nothing against the Bills, I think, in 2007. That's um, Half the plays went for zero yards or less for the Cardinals, which is really impressive. <laughs> I did say that, so, yeah. And that special, special shout-out to my friend, Maurice Jones-Drew, who predicted 20 to nothing. He predicted the shutout. He may not know anything about drafts. <laughs> But boy, did he nail the score. Good good job, Maurice. <laughs> I don't think many people gave the Cardinals a chance. I forget what score I predicted. Oh, I forgot to do my pickums, by the way, uh, on, on ESPN. Ah, uh, yes, thing. you informed me of that. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Just completely slipped my mind. I do apologize for that, gentlemen. So all the all the numbers are thrown out. Uh, speaking of things that should be thrown out, a Lambo Field. <laughs> 77,409 fans watch the Los Angeles Rams come in against the Green Bay Packers. And uh, you know, another team that basically didn't have a quarterback. Um, although, you know, I, I, I like I like Brett Rippon, Dave. And you know I do. But he did nothing I in did. this game, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, the Packers come away with a 20-3 win. It's your Rams, Dave. Tell us all about it. This was awful. This was absolutely diabolical. <laughs> this is one of the worst games I've seen in a long time. We could Since not run game. the ball. It's, yes, well, it's a lot. Luckily, with their own break. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, uh, this was bad. I mean, Brett. Brett. I mean, he, he's. There was more expected of him. Put it like that. And this game has actually cost him his job because he has been officially released by the Rams, and it's taken that. Uh, to, for our team to sign Carson Wentz, who is now coming in as a Rams number two. I, I have no hope whatsoever for, for this year. Stafford needs to be back ASAP. Uh, rushing, I think the Rams, in total, you, you can class it as 26 attempts for 68 yards, but our longest rush was eight yards. Uh, Brett Ribbon was 13 of 28 for 130 yards, and somehow we made Jordan Love look semi-decent. And that's an achievement in itself. That's the only thing we achieved in this game was making Jordan Love look semi-decent. Brett Rippon threw a combined 14 times to Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. And he got five, five completions for 80 yards. That's not good enough. Cooper Cup, I think, dropped one. Puka Nakua had another one that he dropped. It, there was one that was brought back for a penalty, which was, well, to the letter of the law. Yes, it was a penalty, but very harsh. Rippon fumbled the ball. Twice, I think. I want to say twice. Um, I, I mean, I, I did the, te- the there was a problem with my TV uh, around uh, sometime in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know. It just went boot off black. So anyway, um, something something. One positive I did take away from this game is that uh, Baron Young, our defensive end is actually looking pretty decent. He was pressing the quarterback quite well. He had 10 total tackles, two sacks in the game. Uh, Kobe Turner, who's alongside Aaron Donald, 10 total tackles for uh, with uh, one sack as well. Aaron Donald is getting doubled and triple teamed in this game, and the other players that were rushing could do absolutely nothing. That was a pretty bad state of affairs. Uh, injury-wise also, Kobe Durant, or my young cornerback that I'm quite big upon, just he he was taken off injured and it's an unknown status at the moment for him. Uh, what other awful things happened in this game? Oh, well, our new kicker came in, Lucas Haversick came in for his first attempt was a fifty-two yard field goal, which he nailed, which I was very happy about. Only to miss attempt number two from a short distance. So um, that's it. I want to move on. Okay, let's let's move on. Um, someone, someone else, pick, Jake, pick a pick apart the Packers for me, please. Jake, I'm, I'm, I will, oh, put, I will put it to you, Jake. Um, they, as, as Dave mentioned, they've signed Carson Wentz now. So apologies, Dave. I can no longer root for your Rams because Carson Wentz is an absolute piece of garbage. So I do apologize, <laughs> uh, but I cannot root for the man. We all saw his his social media posts, and the man's just. 
He really you never is. know. Can't stand but what, him. what if he if he gets MVP every game for the rest of the season? He might reach I, the Pro Bowl. So I, I, <laughs> you can cheer for him. I, no, I, I will never, ever cheer for Carson Wentz. I'll yeah, tell you that right. Correct. Now. Uh, Jake, correct. over to do, you. Do you play the Do you play the Bears at any point in the season? Because he might be all right. Then. Oh my goodness. Uh, but for the Packers, oh. uh, they snapped a, a four-game losing streak, and they finally scored a first-half touchdown. The Packers are 32nd in first-half points per game at 4.5. They are first in second-half points per game in 15.5. I mean, I thought the Saints' defense was uh, very first-half, second-half adjustments, but the entire Packers' offense just takes every first-half off and then goes, OK, we should start playing now. Got to have a few questions about the Rams play calling because it felt like every single drive was run, run, pass. And that is like prehistoric and very predictable. And I understand you've got Brett Rippon as your quarterback, but run, run, pass ain't, ain't going to get it done in 2023. No, it's not. Lacked play, act, uh, play action. Uh, the, this, there was, and every time there was any attempt at play action, it was ridiculously obvious. Like the running back was three, four yards when Rippon was pretending to hand it off. That <laughs> what's that going to do? It's going to do absolutely nothing. Or and you know the the offensive line uh, is starting to lack a wee bit. I don't know what's happened. We started off so well with the offensive line at the beginning of the season. I was pre- giving singing praises about them. I'm definitely not now because uh, Rippon was. I mean, you could say he was under pressure, but if someone was within like 20 yards of him, he felt probably felt pressured by the look of him. Uh, the, the state of his throws was just awful. You know, we've got Cooper Cup, got Puka Nakua. Tutu Atwell was targeted seven times, and he was four for 13. He's a deep threat. Ideally in the slot, he is a deep threat receiver. Uh, it was just ridiculous. And Tyler Higby was targeted once. In the entire game, and he didn't. He it wasn't. It wasn't caught. It was. A, he could have caught it. it. Would have been a magnificent catch, but he, he he didn't have much hope. So if you can't use your tight ends, um, he had what three checkdowns maybe to the to the running back, and that was it. What what use is that? You you've got if you're constantly looking for the big throw all the time, it's not going to happen. I mean, you've got you've got the checkdowns for a reason. Obviously, Jake knows a lot more than I do about checkdowns. Uh, probably an expert by now. But uh, yeah, put that with Derek Carr. Uh, but uh, we got it. We, we got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think didn't you need to explain it, that one. Yeah, well, yeah, just in case. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 a doer. There's a good Scottish word for our listeners: a doer, doer. Look for the Rams. Yeah. Oh, it, I'm key. <laughs> it is indeed well done jake good for you um are we going to move on gentlemen and we go from the uh ridiculous to the sublime the tampa bay buccaneers and the houston texans at nrg stadium in front of seventy thousand seven hundred and eighty-five fans i'm not even going to talk about this one because i know jake is gonna just love this the texans won 39 to 37 Jake McGee, Tampa Bay, Houston, take it away. My Texans, my, my AFC team, the team I've been hot on since the preseason. CJ, mother effing Shroud, five touchdowns, 470 yards, which is a rookie record. The Texans were down 20 to 10 at half. They then went touchdown, 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 field goal, punt, touchdown. That final touchdown was a game-winning 75 yards with just 40 seconds left. They had three receivers all over 100 yards. 
Hank Dell making two big catches on the, the game-winning drive. Um, Texans went for two on all four touchdowns in the second half uh, due to their kicker, Fairburn's injury. A uh, backup running back, Dare Ogunbowale, handled kickoffs and kicked a 29-yard field goal to put the Texans 33-30 to up. Uh, Baker then led the, the Bucks down to the field, uh, down the field, signing Kay Dotson, who had a, a big game, six for seventy and two touchdowns. That looked like the, the potential game winner. There was only forty six seconds left, but as mentioned before, Cedar Child led his Texans down with the help of Tank Dell to win the game thirty nine thirty seven. It was a tough watch for for Cowboys as Noah Brown went six for one five three, and Dalton Schultz went ten for one thirty and a touchdown. They joined Amari Cooper, who went 5 for 139 on a touchdown as three of the top four receivers this week. It's slightly better for the Cowboys. Number one was C.D. Lamb, but that's not the point. <laughs> they keep on trying to find other receivers and other, other people to help C.D. Lamb, and everyone they let go seems to be able to do that. But yeah, uh, highly entertaining game. Um, C.J. Stroud just continues to impress. And really kind of puts into question these tests that they do pre-draft where CJ Shroud was put out in the public as some sort of moron who can't do tests and is an imbecile. Well, I think he's passing the test of being an NFL quarterback pretty well. Yeah, he's certainly passing the eye test, that's for sure. Um, CJ Stroud, now I know it's only eight games in. We're only eight games into the season. But he is having one of the most impressive rookie seasons I have ever seen. When you consider that... So, I don't know if you guys will remember. Now, Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year was incredible. I think they won like 14 games in his rookie season. Dak Prescott's rookie year, 13-3, and I think they went. But those guys had a lot of help. The Texans really don't have... uh, Tank Dell is, is... outstanding i'm loving the way he's playing this year but they don't have talent right across the board the way some of those other teams did and yet they're winning games and cj stroud just looks amazing like like amazingly good that's you said jake rookie record uh for passing with 470 yards dave what what do you make of cj stroud as i say we'll, we'll pump the brakes a little bit it's eight games you know he's wait till, wait till a full season's done but the way they're playing, the way he's playing, you've got to see they've got a chance looking at that seventh seed, sixth or seventh seed in the AFC. What do you reckon, Dave? I think they're playing the opposite of the Dolphins. They're playing as a unit instead of like a kind of, you've got all the individual stars on the Dolphins, whereas with the Texans, you don't have too many star players or people that are known to be individual star players but they're playing all together. They all know their roles. They're all doing their jobs. And CJ Stroud, I mean, he just doesn't look like a rookie. Yeah, that that's what, I mean, he's making the reads. He, uh, every time, it's quite often, especially with rookie quarterbacks, they need a little bit of help from their offense, from their experienced offensive linemen to have a look, you know, who who uh, who's the mic? Who, uh, maybe a... Is that is that is it cover cover two? Is it cover four? You know those kind of, those kind of reads on the defense. He's making them by himself. Uh, yeah, obviously they will shout out every so often, but he's making these reads. So when he's making these reads, he knows these plays already off the back of his hand. And uh, let let's, I, I just all you have to do is bow down to what he was able to achieve, especially in this game. And 
let's take nothing away from Tampa Bay. They not only pushed them all the way, they put up 37 points and Baker was, a, he looked very competent for the majority of the game. There were, you know, a couple of times, obviously, maybe not quite, but he was still 21 or 30, 265 and two touchdowns with no picks. He didn't have a bad game, but CJ Stroud just, he it's literally a kind of uh, welcome to the big time moment for him now because he, between him and uh, Young uh, at the Panthers, they were the two most touted. Uh, they, you, they, they were equally highly praised pre-draft kind of with, obviously, like Jake was saying, some of the evaluations were not so kind for CJ Stroud. But, oh, wow, is he telling them? They, they don't mean anything. I know what I can do. And he's gone out and proving it. Instead, he's letting his, his play do the talk. Yeah. Um, and the, te- the Texans had a game plan to throw the ball. They they weren't interested in running the ball. Devin Singletary couldn't get anything done when he did run the ball. So as soon as they realized that wasn't working, CJ Stroud comes in, does the business. And yeah, I'm really impressed. Uh, uh, and obviously, Noah Brown, big game. Tank Dell, big game. Dalton Schultz, big game. Uh, and, you know, even Andrew Beck got two receptions as well in the game. So, um, yeah, it, 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 you know what? It was just all round brilliant. There was a few fumbles in the game as well. I did uh, see... But, uh, yeah, the, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with C.J. Stroud. I think Jake's praise from preseason right up until now is fully justified. Yeah, and let's not forget, this was a very good Tampa Bay defense. That he yes. put 39 points up. And that final drive was... Spe- I, I had no faith that they were going to get it done in that final drive, and yet they did. Well done to C.J. Stroud and the Texans. But we're going to move on, gentlemen, to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where the Minnesota Vikings took on the Atlanta Falcons in front of 69,715 fans. And the Vikings, with Josh Tobbs coming in at quarterback, because the starter, Jaron Hall, who, by the way, was 5 of 6. Uh, starting this game he goes down with uh, an injury looks like a concussion Joshua Dobbs came in and the Vikings come away with a victory 31 to 28 Jake McGee Vikings Falcons what did you make of it like you've you've seen the first part of my notes I'm on exactly on the same page I wrote down here the fifth round rookie Jaron Hall looked very good early on five or six for 78 yards but went out with a concussion literally almost word for word um, now, the Vikings were 0-3. They lost Justin Jefferson. They then lost Cousins. And now they lost their backup. It doesn't seem to matter. They, they traded for the, the well-traveled and much-loved uh, Joshua Dobbs, who was almost immediately sacked for a safety by Calais Campbell. And then the next drive fumbles inside his zone 25 and had another fumble in the second half. And you're thinking, oh, dear Lord, they've really thrown him to the wolves. But no one, when they look back at this game and this week, next week, in however many weeks' time, when they're studying the case of Joshua Dobbs, no one will remember any of that. What they will remember is the 22-yard scramble on fourth and seven down four. Uh, Kept the game alive with under a minute to go. Uh, Went 20 of 30, 158 yards, two touchdowns, no interception. On the ground, he went seven of 66 with a touchdown as well, all whilst not knowing the names and faces of the majority of his team. Um, and then the Falcons are very peculiar Falcons and even kind of sympathizing with Falcons fans because they're even when they were winning, they were confused. And now they're losing, they're confused and angry. Um, their last touchdown drive had 11 straight rushes, but peculiar. Bishon Robinson has one carry inside the five yard line all season. Not, not just this game, all season. 
Um, they seem to think that Jono Smith was the um, highest drafted tight end ever and is the must use because Al Smith seems to have some sort of obsession with running a jet sweep with Jono Smith, which is just bizarre when you think the players they have on that team that could run a jet sweep, you know, Goddard Patterson maybe. Um, just everything Arthur Smith does confuses me. It's, it's you know, Movember, no, no shave November. So what does he do? He shaves his mustache. Everything he does is wrong. It's just confusing. <laughs> he shaved oh, his mustache in, in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. literally the one guy. thing you're not supposed to do. Just everything he does is wrong. He's a, he's a bizarre individual. But you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. The Falcons fans must just be absolutely just wondering what is happening to their team. It's it's a bizarre circumstance down there. Um, but there's nothing, nothing else we can say about Joshua Dobbs. Dave, did you have anything you wanted to add about that one? Uh, just that I, I think that the Falcons are not using their star players, really, um, because of, obviously Bijan uh, Robinson, 11 catches, 51 yards, wasn't, you know, he, he looked okay. He, he looked very good, as added um, Tyler Algier. Cordell Patterson touched the ball twice. One, one rush for zero yards and one reception for three yards. That's all he got in the game. Uh, Kyle Pitts, obviously, he's getting more involved. That's semi-decent, but, you know, Taylor Heineke coming in. Heineke looked okay, I think is the best I can say about it. He looked okay. He did, he did have a good few uh, plays, but uh, the one thing I did note from the game, Kevin O'Connell lost his voice after the game because he was trying to talk Joshua Dobbs through every single play that he was going to do. So, uh, yeah, that was quite an interesting thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was throwing all, all over the place. And I think him, TJ Hawkinson, and Jordan Addison, they could have something special. If, if you know, if, if, he, if Josh Dobbs continues to perform like he did, then there might be a, a, play, a future where Kirk Cousins doesn't come back to the Minnesota next year. Oh, that's a bold prediction. Mm. Um, so people, people still talk about, you know, Baker Mayfield's performance last year when he had 48 hours to learn the playbook um, for the well, Rams I do. in the, in the <laughs> win over the Raiders. The difference in this was that Dobbs had no idea he was going into that game. He didn't learn the playbook because he was the backup. He didn't learn, as you say, he didn't even know the names of all the players who were on the field with him. And he was thrown in with literally 30 seconds notice. Right, you're in now. Uh, as, as Jake mentioned, sack for a safety and then fumbles. Like, he must have been thinking, oh my word, what is going on here? And yet, and yet, and yet, Joshua Dobbs pulled it out of his hat and the Vikings won this game. It was spectacular. Must watch. Um, now, we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to Caesar Superdome. Um, and in front of 70,006 fans, the New Orleans Saints welcomed in the Chicago Bears. And they won 24-17. to 17. Jake, your team are now 5-4. and four. You New Orleans Saints are in the playoff hunt. Tell us about the game. And then once you've done that... Tell us if you think your team can push to the playoffs and possibly even the division title. That'll be an interesting conversation. Uh, I can't imagine many teams have won the turnover battle five to nothing with three interceptions, two fumbles recovered, 
and not even managed to cover the spread. Um, it wasn't for the lack of effort from two Saints in particular. Uh, Adam Hill, who, if you were following last week, is now 18-1 and when the... Uh, well, the Saints are 18-1 and when he rushes more than seven times. He caught a touchdown, and he threw for another. And then the other player was Paulson Adebo. He had two interceptions, he forced a fumble, and then he recovered a fumble. Um, despite all this, the Bears outgained the Saints, 368-301. to uh, The first-half defense, as I've mentioned by uh, earlier, by the Saints was dreadful. We seemed to make a lot of adjustments at halftime, and we look great in the second half, but you really think once that makes sense, twice you're getting a bit annoyed. It's not been like that just this season. Ever since Dennis Allen has been the uh, like defensive coordinator for Saints, it's always the same. First half, we look very poor, and then we come out second half and all of a sudden play better. I'm not sure why it takes us that long to to adjust. Um, but there's some very questionable decisions from Dennis Allen. Uh, Blake Groupie has to go. Um, he's so bad that Dennis Allen would rather run a quarterback run with Derek Carr, not Taysom Hill, you know. He would rather run it with Derek Carr than kick a field goal uh, to go up two scores, which is a fireable offense. We had that earlier on in the season. I think it was Josh McDaniels, and look what happened to him. Um, but then we know why, because after that, Groupie missed another kick, this time from 47. There was two minutes 30 left. Uh, gave the Bears great field position and another chance. But thankfully, Demario Davis forced a fumble, uh, which was recovered by Pete Warner, and ultimately ended the game. But... Similar to how I was saying Falcons fans, when their team was winning, they were confused. Saints fans, even when they're winning, are just like, eh, because we're going to get smoked in the playoffs. Whoever finishes number five seed, at the moment, it's going to be the Seahawks or the Cowboys, basically. They're going to be licking their lips with the Saints because we're going to get smoked. It's This team isn't a playoff team. We, we, we may be a playoff team, but they're the absolute pretenders. Dave, anything you wanted to add to that? From this game... The Saints always—they—they they were always—they—they uh, they were quite well disciplined. I mean, they only had one penalty in the entire game, which was that's you don't see that very often. Um, so, I mean, the the Bears—I—I—I I, I don't even know what to say about the Bears because we—I had a lot of hype for them preseason. I thought they were going to be be significantly improved. Uh, Tess Badgett with three picks wasn't ideal, but. Um, yeah, he seems to be he's a, he seems to be more exciting than Justin Fields, uh, but like like Jake said, there's there's some really bizarre play calls in New, New Orleans right now, and Taysom Hill played fantastic. I, I think Taysom Hill's a really exciting player. You you're not quite sure. Obviously, he's got the throwing ability. I think they could probably ingrain that a little bit more um, when he when he is kind of set up in any kind of wildcat situation. But yeah, I think it was good to see Chris Olave and Alan Kamara getting a good few receptions, good few touches of the ball. Uh, and Johnson, what's his first name? Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson, yes. He he made a good few catches as well. But uh, that, this year, he's done it. Um, but it kind of sacrificed Mike Thomas, who was really good on run blocking, but didn't really catch ball. And then he's really good after the game as well. Yeah, he's certainly yeah. not a diva like everyone likes to portray. He is the ultimate team guy. He plays through injury to try and get Drew Brees uh, another ring. Uh, and seems to be this kind of narrative that he's a diva and he's a bit of a drama queen. Well, he, he's a really good team guy. And even when he's getting no catches, he was still out there blocking hard and after the game, loving it. So a lot of love for Mike Thomas. And no sacks on Derek Carr either. So 
big positives there. there. There's positives going forward, but I think they just need to do more on offense to get the clinical points. Sadly, we can't play the Bears in the playoffs, so... <laughs> Well, I really hope you don't. <laughs> like that. Oh, my word. Uh, we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to Gillette Stadium where the New England Patriots welcomed the Washington Commanders in front of 64,628 fans. And the Commanders came in and won this game, despite the fact the Patriots, the Patriots were winning 17-10 to 10 with 6.51 to go in the third quarter. But it wasn't enough as Jahan Dotson took a 33-yard pass from Sam Howell. And then uh, with one forty-nine to go, Joey Sy kicked a 30-yard field goal for the Washington Commanders to go up 20-17. to There was no scoring in the fourth quarter. And this game, once again, Mac Jones, 24-44, 220 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He wasn't sacked. But he didn't really do a lot. He got some help from Ramondre Stevenson. He rushed 9 for 87 and a score. He also had four catches for 42 yards. But he seemed to be basically the entire focal point of this uh, Patriots offense. And uh, Washington, on the other hand, Sam Howell, 29 45, 325 yards, a touchdown. He did have one pick. He was actually sacked three times in this game, but it didn't matter. They, they racked up 432 yards to New Orleans, 320. Uh, um, to New England's 327 and the story of this game was that Washington were just able to keep the ball away from the Patriots offense their massive time of possession in this one and Mac Jones just didn't seem to be able to get anything going in this one at all Dave I'll throw it over to you quickly we've we've been saying it before about this Patriots team and it seems like every week we mention this Patriots team they're two and seven now do we really mm. think they might actually be in with a shout of the no. first overall pick in the draft? Oh, I thought you were going to say Do you think I was going to say playoffs? <laughs> Are you joking? Absolutely no. not. They're, they're absolutely, they're playing so poorly, so badly. Um, I, don't, do I, don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be uh, quite number one. Uh, they're in danger of top five uh, at this stage because um, what, what I'm seeing is that if one part if you split it into, say, four, uh, four, four sections, so you've got uh, offensive passing, offensive running, defensive passing, defensive running, you know, the, the, those four areas. So it seems to be that only one of the four is working every single game. And that, to me, that's what it like. So passing for the Patriots is patchy at best. Ramondre Stevenson got a massive run, uh, which was quite impressive. It was 60-odd yards something. Uh, but their defense... Obviously, obviously, they they did well against uh, Sam Howell's. Um, against Sam Howell, I think it was in the first half where there was that uh, pick in the end zone. Or, um, but yeah, I think late later, uh, excuse me, later on, uh, I think it was in the third quarter. Sam Howell seemed to read it easy, uh, make a few easy reads on the defense. So, um, yeah, I I. I think when you're coming up a team against the commanders you've got to i mean obviously they ran it close but this is the kind of games the patriots needed to win to get some sort of decent season you know even if they get back to kind of eight and nine nine and eight considering what they were right now i mean they were two and six going into this so if they made a late run you know you never know on what could happen with the wild cards but this is just a poor team now it's it's there's a lot of work needing here so i i think 
that what they should have done. Uh, obviously, they, they went into the trades uh, into at the trade deadline. What two and five, two and six, something along those lines. They could have traded one or two of their players for decent uh, picks and sort of uh, prepare for next year because that's all they've got is next year. I'm afraid. Um, and Jake, uh, very quickly over to you. The I know this game was played on on field turf, whatever they call it, the artificial turf. Mac Jones had the cleanest jersey I've ever seen from a losing quarterback. <laughs> the the Commanders couldn't get near him the entire game. I don't even know if maybe he was. They no- I don't even know if they, he they was. They should not- trade for some some defensive lineman, maybe. Uh, yeah, it, it, well, it was it was going to be my point. <laughs> Mac Jones. I don't even think he was knocked down a single time in this game. Maybe he was, and I missed it. But he just had all day, and it's actually bizarre that how few yards he had from his 44, 45 attempts. The commander's defense, they trade Chase Young, they trade Montez Sweat, and all of a sudden they have zero pass rush. Um, what do you think? The commanders are probably going to need to do something because... I mean, they're sitting there four and five. By no means are they out of the, the playoff race at, with a four and five record. What do you think they need to do to be able to sort of get themselves up? Because Sam Howell's, he's playing pretty consistently, pretty well. What do you reckon, Washington? I, uh, Ron Rivera, give the keys to Eric Bieniemy. That's what I would do. And I assume that's probably what they're waiting to do. Um, it'll probably be too late for this year, but going forward, I'm assuming that is part of the plan now. Another person that might be getting fired is, is Bill Belichick. I mean, we are living in the very real possibility that Bill Belichick has got a, a single flight out to Germany. They, they may not be a return on that flight if they lose. Um, he benched both starting quarterbacks to start the game for missing team curfew, uh, JC Jackson and Jack Jones. Now, JC Jackson's been told to not even fly to um, Germany, so they finally get him back. He's going to have this big revival. Nope. They've told him to stay at home, have a, a mental reset. Um, it's just, I don't know what's going on, because the Patriots, no matter how good or bad they've been, Bill Belichick's always had a good defense, and his special team's always been sublime. And this year, defense sucks, and the special teams is, is awful. Um, he's a terrible general manager, no matter what we think of him as a coach, he's a terrible general manager. I mean, Juju Smith used to come on. He's honestly up there as one of the worst free agent signings ever. I mean, it's, they have zero wins outside their division. It's it, the juju thing is bad. It's bad, and you're talking about. You're right. So, as we've known for two plus decades, Bill Belichick and his mantra has always been "Do your job." We've heard it a million times, and I don't think I can ever recall a Patriots team with so many pre-snap penalties and offsides and false starts. And uh, there was one on the special teams. Uh, where they, they jumped offside on a, or lined up lined up offside in a punt to give the commanders a first down. You're thinking, what on earth are you doing? I don't think Belichick will be fired mid-season, but if they don't win many more games, he might be out to the end of the year. Because this is appalling. This is so bad. I mean, they have the worst record in the AFC. Sorry, Dave. Were you going to say something there? I was just, I was just going to ask: Do we know anything about the um, the contract situation of Bill Belichick? And also, he the other thing I was going to say: signed an extension preseason. Oh well, that's unfortunate. Then do you have to fire him as a head coach and a GM. Like, do you have to fire him twice? How much would that cost? No, to fire, fire him. As, fire, fire him as a GM. 
Get, bring in a GM. Let Belichick do what Belichick does best, which is just coach the team. Because it's it's clear, as you've said, Jake, this is not working. It's not working at all. This New England team is plummeting to depths that they haven't seen since the early 90s, pre-Drew Bledsoe. That's how bad this team is looking now. And it's just... It's really, as I say, they're two and seven, worst record in the entire AFC. They're one game away from having the worst record in the entire NFL. One game. I mean, that's this is unheard of. Um, but we can't talk about the downfall of the Patriots all the time, just some of us might like to. Uh, we're going to move on to MT Bank Stadium, where the Seattle Seahawks took on the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, quite a few people thought this might actually be. A close game. But it wasn't. The Ravens absolutely blew the doors off the Seahawks. 37-3. Jake McGee. Take it away. Seahawks. Ravens. Yeah, I think last week I claimed this to be my my game of the week. And when we were sorting out who was doing which games, I was like, I need this game. This is going to be the game of all ages too. My my favourite defence is going up against each other. And uh, yeah, it was an absolute blowout. I mean, who needs to trade for a running back when you have undrafted running back Keaton Mitchell uh, exploding onto the scene? Went nine for 138 and a touchdown. Uh, Gus the Bus went uh, five for 52 and to- uh, two touchdowns. The Ravens went 7.7 yards per carry for 300 yards before kneeling down twice. So it looks like they went 7.3 for 298, but that's, that's deceiving. Um, they, they just could run at will. Um, it was an absolute beatdown. They bullied the trenches. Uh, they ended up with more sacks than points allowed. Uh, and they, they should be, and they could be. I don't know. Um, they had a lot of injuries earlier in the season, but they're healthier now, and they've just demolished two NFC division leaders in three weeks by a combined score of 75-9. to nine. Um, In fact, this is the fourth time already the Ravens have allowed nine points or fewer. I mean, it's they are dominant. Um, as I mentioned before, you don't want to be the team that's dominant in October, November if you lose in January, February. But at the moment, the Ravens are the scariest, probably, um, even taking into account the, the Chiefs and the Eagles. They're, they're, you don't want to play the Ravens right now. Um, Yardage-wise, it was 515 to 151, uh, 29 to 6 on first downs. Seattle rushed for 28 yards. Uh, and then a player I kind of feel like it's gone under the radar, is Calvin Noy. He's had a, a quiet uh, but very good few weeks for the Ravens, having back-to-back sacks in this one, with the second one causing a fumble. And since signing for the Ravens, he's had five sacks in six games and left the quote, who needs training camp? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who needs it? Uh, Dave... Jake's right. The Ravens are killing teams. Good teams. Opposite of what Miami are doing. They're, they're mm-hmm. absolutely killing teams out there. And let's not forget, the Seahawks were 5-2 and two coming into this game. It's not like... And, it's, and they were beating decent teams. It's not like they were playing badly and, you know, this was just another bad game. The Ravens absolutely stomped them. And they are terrifying to watch. What do you think of this team, Dave? Well, from from the Sea Frauds perspective, when Lamar Jackson drops back to throw, what what two things 
or from my point of view, what two things do you need to do? You need to have someone that's just keeping an eye on whether he's going to take off or not. And you've got to have someone as close as you can to Mark Andrews. And they did, well, neither, really. I mean, when you've got Bobby Wagner uh, at linebacker, you know, you should be pretty prepared for it. But he, he managed to make a good few challenges to, to Bob Wagner, but didn't have much help from the Seattle uh, defense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched this game in 40, and all I can say is that I can barely remember seeing S- Seattle with the ball. I It, it was it was ridiculous. The, 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 the Seattle Seahawks had the ball less than the Arizona Cardinals did against the Browns. That is the um, the the Baltimore had the ball between sixty seven and sixty eight percent of the entire game, because say, Seattle had less than twenty minutes of the ball in the entire game out of the sixty. So, Raven the Ravens suffocated Seattle. That that's probably the best way I can put it. It was suffocation, and then just to rub it in a wee bit, they bring in Tyler Huntley and just rest Lamar. So. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, they just could not stop the run whatsoever. Gino was looking incompetent, maybe for want of better words, when he was he was going for it uh, to um, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Tyler Lockett. He wasn't always connecting, and he, he, he had DK in as well. But OBJ was making some good, good solid catches, good solid plays on the other side of the ball. Uh, I mean. Baltimore have all the pieces for a good run, and I think we're finally seeing it. Calvin Noy is, I think, has been very underrated for years, for the majority of his career, uh, I feel, because you know, obviously he was touted as, yeah, he's, he's really good, he's really good. I think he's very good. I think he's very, very good. But one man making the difference massively on defense is Roquan Smith. And I say, we've said this for a, a good few times this season. He was amazing in this game. So, yeah, if he wasn't, if he wasn't making the tackles, he was directing the players. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Watch him. Watch him. Brilliant. I mean, the few times he was on the field, that is because Seattle was never on the field. They just kept, uh, you know, getting sent back to the bench, and in comes Baltimore again to take over the ball. So, Baltimore. Competent. Sorry, Jake. I was just going to say they've been. They were very competent in this, in this game and very suffocating. I was just going to say, because you weren't here last week, just kind of get your thoughts. And we said last week, when we were talking about the Bears trading for Montez Sweat, but they were looking to trade Jalen Johnson, and they've previously mm-hmm. traded Khalil Mack. And, I'll, and like I said, I, I believe mentioned Rokon Smith. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why teams do this. They are you know, clearly looking to bring in talent, but at the same time, the homegrown talent that was working so well for them goes for pretty cheap, I would say. And, and Rokon Smith, I mean... Couldn't have landed with a better team, really. You think of linebackers, you think of the Bears or the Ravens. So he was on the Bears and then went to the Ravens. I mean, he's kind of living a linebacker dream. Exactly. And I see one thing that I was trying to emphasize maybe at the start of the season is, uh, I, I mean, obviously I haven't bring it back to the Rams, but it, it, the, the example works that you've got the main players that are the foundations to build the team around. The, 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 the main players, for example, with the Bears, like you said, Khalil Mack, uh, Roquan Smith on on uh, defense. Okay, they don't have anyone on, on offense, but that that's not making my point come across very well. But uh, yeah, yeah but- those, those guys though, they 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 just they wanted they they have to have players that have the contracts 
of those star players. And then you build the supporting cast around Roquan Smith, the prime example. And then he comes into Baltimore and he just he carries on. The thing is, though, he's got the supporting cast. And look at them now. They're 7-2. and two. They could quite easily easily have a much better record. Well, you know, a few injuries, like you were saying, Jake, a few injuries uh, or less injuries here and there. They could have been top of the entire AFC at this point. Yeah, I mean, before before I bring it back to the Bears, so with with the Ravens, injuries and the two games that they lost, none of the receivers could catch a ball. Uh, it's, uh, they should be 9-0. Mm-hmm. They, they really should be 9-0. Uh, they might be the best team in the entire NFL just now that very few people are talking about. Um, as you were talking about the Bears there, Dave, <clears throat> you mentioned how they don't have anyone on offense, but they did. They had Matt Forte, who was great, and they mm. shipped him. They replaced him with Jordan Howard, who was great, and they shipped him. I, you know, I'm I, okay, Teddy Cohen got injured, but then, yeah, you know... David Montgomery. David, David Montgomery. Montgomery is much more rushed. Yeah, yeah, to a rival. It, it yes, really is. It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like the, the Chicago Bears are at um, O'Hare Airport. You know, they're, they're, they bring a player in and they just send them off. It's just, they, they keep doing this. They keep bringing players up Rookies, uh, undrafted players, they come through and then they're like, oh, he's actually really good. Ship him. We'll get a draft. You're like, why? And it's particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Because, you know, we all know running backs aren't the most important um, players in an offensive room. But when you've got, you know, quality pass rushers, Khalil Mack, I mean, you look what he's doing over in... um, He obviously went to uh, Las Vegas and then he's now over at... I was going to say San Diego. Mm-hmm. With the Chargers, um, and and he's you know putting on a show, like he was doing in Chicago, but Roquan Smith went for what was it, a third rounder? Was that a third round they got for Roquan so, Smith? Something, they like can, something like a second and a fifth, yeah, or something. Second, yeah. ridiculous, and, and a fifth for Roquan Smith. This Ravens team might be the best in the entire NFL just now. I I, I wouldn't bet against them if they played anyone. If you well, put them up against the Cleveland, uh, I'm look what they did. It was uh, so they, they did they not beat Cleveland like twenty eight seven or something like yeah. those lines. Yeah, so they, they arguably the best defense, and they just they they yeah. annihilated. Yeah, them. They, they've been crushing teams. And if they were to play Philadelphia or Cincinnati or Kansas City tomorrow, I, I'd be hard pressed to pick against the Ravens. I really would. Um, but we can't talk about them all day, because I'd love to, but we can't. Uh, we're we're going to move on. Going to Bank of America Stadium, where the Indianapolis Colts um, were taking on the Carolina Panthers in front of 72,301 yards. And the Colts come away with a 27-13 victory. Um, it was a weird game from an offensive point of view for the Colts. Gardner Minshew was 17-26 for 127 yards and a touchdown. Rushing Jonathan Taylor, 18, 47 yards. And you're like, it's not great. And receiving, uh, the, the, the leading receiver was uh, Pittman, who had 8 for 64. And yet he put up 27 points against the Carolina Panthers. Scoring went as follows. Um, Jonathan Taylor with a 10-yard pass from Garden Minshew um, to go up 10-0. Eddie Pinheiro uh, had a field goal for the Panthers. Colts Matt Gay uh, boomed in a 57-yard field goal. Kenny Moore then had a 49-yard interception return. DJ uh, Chark finally caught a pass from Bryce Young to make it 20-10. And then Kenny Moore with a second pick six. six 
66-yard interception return before uh, Eddie Pinheiro banged on one, a consolation field goal in the fourth quarter, 27-13. This was a Kenny Moore show because, as I say, you look at the box score for the, the Colts' offense and go, eh, it's not great. In fact, the Panthers outdid them offensively. Kenny Moore, literally, one man won this game, uh, and Mackey, uh, two men won this game for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Dave, you look at this Colts team, and mm. they, they're they sort of hot and cold, fun to watch, and then it all falls apart. Which Colts do you think are the real Colts here? Do you think it is the team that's winning these games, or is it the one that we saw a couple of weeks ago where they just looked absolutely appalling? I, th- I think they're they're pretty much last season, uh, this season's version of last year's Detroit Lions. They're really exciting to watch, and you don't know which version is going to turn up. Uh, is pretty much what I've t- what I've taken from them this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about Kenny Moore, there, I mean, oh my word, eight tackles, two pass deflections, two picks, two touchdowns. It's just it's just incredible. But I think what one thing that the Colts have, have done, I've noticed. Is that uh, they they have some building blocks there? They they obviously they've re-signed Jonathan Taylor, which is a big positive. I think anyone can see that is a big positive. Um, they've also got some players on defense that have been are good experience. They've got good experience, um, and you know they're going to give their all and perform as well. So um, when I say that, I mean like uh, Shaquille Leonard, um, DeForest Buckner. You know those, those are uh, Samson Ebukam who was at the Rams and he had a stint at a team last year we don't talk about. But uh, yeah, it was, it, it, they've got some building blocks there on offense and defense. Uh, special teams, I'd like them to uh, please return uh, a certain kicker because we we are currently suffering quite badly. Um, I'd also like Pan- the Panthers to return our punter, uh, Johnny Hecker. Just a big shout out to him there. Uh, but, I thought, I thought uh, you wanted yeah. to buy the Dixon back. I mean, I, going on here? at, at going this on? point, it's, it, just, we're just getting punched on all special teams. <laughs> We've got one of the worst special teams in the entire league. Um, but the, 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 the Colts... Right there with you, buddy. Right there with you. <laughs> I was just going to say, Jake might have something to say about that. This, this is this is turned into a support group more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, um, the Colts, I mean, they, they had a bit of a game plan. They were going to run the ball a lot more than they usually do because Gardner Minshew's been throwing a lot this year. So, mm. I mean, they didn't really need to because their defense was turning up a lot. So, uh, what do we make of this? I, I think we've got to remember that they were up against the 1-7 and seven Panthers. I think that that's... The Carolina are really struggling this year. Bryce Young just didn't have much hope in this game, I'm afraid to say. Uh, I mean, 24-39. He, he did get his touchdown, uh, which was always caught by DJ Shark bought three picks at the same time so I think he's got some work to do and the Panthers in general have a lot of work to do so I think we need to sort of temper expectations with the Colts but if they put it all together like they're kind of hoping they might have a late run towards the wild card. I mean obviously that, that their division is pretty wide open actually because the Texans are good but like we say they don't have too many star players and they're in kind of uncharted territory since the kind of uh, Hopkins-Watson era so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Plus, I mean that that the end of that first half uh, the, um, in the second quarter, the Colts just well once they got ticking, they just boom, 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 you know, and that that was pretty much game over by halftime. It's twenty points to three, despite being zero zero after the first quarter. So let's temper expectations. 
but I'm seeing a lot of similarities with the Lions last year. Really exciting to watch, and there just seems to be a bit, bit of an excitement around in Indianapolis when they play like that. And uh, Jake, just quickly over to you regarding the Panthers. Uh, we we keep talking about oh, obviously Bryce Young. Do you think the Panthers are already going? We made a mistake drafting this guy. We should have taken CJ Stroud. We took Bryce Young, and it's just not working. What do you reckon? No, I think they just need to help the ball, the poor boy out. I mean, he's got no deep threat. He's basically got Adam Thielen. That's it. They traded away their their best wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line can't keep him upright. His head coach has not really been a good head coach. I, I think he's in a terrible situation, but other people have been in terrible situations and made better of it. So I think it's going to take time. I don't think you, you give up on him just yet. And then for the Colts, I don't think you have to temper expectations in the case that they have the second easiest schedule remaining. So I'm not sure many of us before the season would have expected two, maybe three AFC South teams getting in the playoffs because the Texans are playing well and the Colts are playing okay and have a ridiculously easy schedule. Um, we were talking beforehand that at the moment, every single AFC North team is in the playoffs. So everyone was expecting last year the AFC West and then this year the AFC East. Uh, but somehow the North and the South this year seem to just be in and around the uh, in and around the playoffs. But the, the Colts didn't get 200 yards and they didn't score in their last five drives and they still won. So that, that's that's impressive. <laughs> like with it, with Bryce Young though, are you, are you seeing any similarities with Trevor Lawrence in his first rookie year? Because yeah, he was no, not with the coaching, not with the coaching, but yeah, kind of lack of protection. Uh, you know, obviously, there was well, a few questions about weapons think, and things like that. I think he's suffering from what every rookie quarterback tends to suffer from. Because, well, sorry, I'm saying every rookie quarterback, uh, Most, every yeah. high pick rookie quarterback, yeah. they're tending to go to bad teams. Let's not forget that. Yes, Trevor Lawrence had a right. That that was an anomaly. Joe yeah. Burrow, when he went to Cincinnati, got the hell beaten out of him. You know, and it's not because he wasn't a good quarterback. It's because he wasn't in a good position. Flip side but of that. They played Devil's, they, Devil's Advocate. It, the Panthers weren't the number one pick. They were the number nine pick. They traded mm-hmm. for the number no, one that, pick. No, that's something like a, a high, when I'm saying high pick. Yeah. You, you know, a high, you know, picking top ten. You're not a great team. But they then got rid of some of their talents and... It's it's not the same with the Bengals. Bengals were awful. Although, you know, now Burrow's got so many weapons, it's just ridiculous. He might be playing the best football in the entire NFL just now. Um, the flip side of that is someone like Justin Herbert, who goes to a team that has stacks of talent. Stacks of talent. And we know that Justin Herbert's a good player, but it's not really translating into much success yet. Um, so we need to wait and see. Let's not forget, two out took three years. Mm. He looked like a bust in year one. I mean, he did. Josh Allen looked like a bust in year one, a proper bust. He looked terrible in year one. I'll give Bryce Young some time, um, but they need to get some sort of supporting cast. I think CJ Stroud is a- an anomaly by himself because he's doing things with less talent than a lot of other teams have. Uh, and they're winning games. But the the Panthers are, are in a bit of trouble this year, but they, hopefully they can do something next year. Um, so we're going to move on, gentlemen. We've come to the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. I wish they'd called it Lincoln Park. 
Anyway, in front of 69,879 fans who watched the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 28 to 23. May I point out that the brotherly shove is still alive and well in Philadelphia and nobody can stop it and the Cowboys couldn't stop it and this play just keeps on trucking. Um, Looking at some of the stats in this game, Dak Prescott actually had a really good game. 29-44, 374 yards, three touchdowns, although he was sacked five times for this Philadelphia pass rush. Um, And uh, as Jake mentioned earlier, C.D. Lamb, 11 catches for 191 yards, didn't score, and on that final drive, where the the Cowboys had a chance to go ahead came up just short I don't know why I don't know why on a on a fourth down and goal play or a fourth down play where you need to score you're throwing the ball three yards short of the end zone I you know into coverage it wasn't like he was wide open it was a bizarre play Jake I'll put it to you first the Eagles are still the Eagles they're, they're doing what they're doing, but the, the Cowboys once again thwarted by some strange play calling and some very strange decisions. What do you think? What are you making of this NFC East and the way it's shaping up? And what did you make of this game? Did you watch any of it? I've watched some of it. And like I said earlier, with the, the Chiefs and the Eagles, they're really not in like third, fourth gear at the moment. They're kind of just coasting, which is great for them because they're not playing their best football and they're winning games. But there was 56 yards of penalties on that final drive. That helped also stop the clock. I mean, they really did shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, you're getting a, a standout performance from CD Lamb. But, you know, who's who's helping them? I mean, Jake Ferguson's looking good doing it for the Jakes. But after that, it's really a, a shallow cast of... Of, of nobody's and, and Dak Prescott takes a lot of flack he had a, a great game and it still wasn't enough um, that the fumble from DeAndre Swift wasn't great and I say the Eagles kind of in second third gear are managing to, to win games because their team is that that talented that stacked but the, the Cowboys should have won this game and it's one of those that you just feel like the the big teams win these games. The, the Chiefs and the Eagles, they, they find ways to win these games. And the teams more like the Cowboys and the Dolphins, they seem to find ways to lose them. And it's it's a lot of the same kind of stories for the, for the Cowboys, whether it's these big divisional games or, or playoff games. They just don't seem to have that killer instinct. Dave, did you have uh, did you see any of this game? What, what, do you, what do you make of it? I saw all of this game, oh. uh, actually. And yeah, I mean... I mean in general, I think the main thing that I took away from it was Jalen Hurts is brilliant. I think Jalen Hurts is really brilliant because early on in the game he got a he got a knock uh, from one of the Cowboys' offensive uh, defensive linemen. So he is, he he, had, he was coming into the game with questions about his left knee, uh, and of course, early in the first quarter, what happens? But one of the defensive linemen. Uh, headbutts him in his left knee to which he limped away and there was a few concerns and I thought oh no this could go this could go really badly for him uh, if he has to come out of the game but he played on he came back in um, he took a couple sacks as well in the end but they managed to see out now that final drive that Jake was talking about was just it had everything uh, one of the most ridiculous pointless roughing the passer penalties on Dak 
uh, that was just so unnecessary. Um, I think it was actually Hassan Redick. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he had a great game. Was it, Jake? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was one of the most ridiculous roughing the pass penalties. Needless and ridiculous. Because he came, he was behind him. The ball was long gone. And for some reason, Hassan Redick pushes him straight in the center of the back over for the easiest call the refs are going to be able to make all year. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure there was offsides. I think it was Jalen Carter that was desperate to get in there. Uh, James Bradbury had a 36-yard pass interference penalty. It had everything. It was just, yeah, it was so... The, the Cowboys had every single chance in this. Over 50 yards of penalties in uh, on that last drive. And they still could get it done. But obviously the Cowboys, you know, they, they don't want to make it too easy for themselves. So they give up some of their own penalties uh, to move the ball back. But like you said, I think the only thing that I can think what when I was watching the game was, uh, or the replay of the final play, was that the CD Lama had a really deep uh, kind of cut, deep, a very deep slant uh, where... It looked like if if there was any kind of wrong footing of any of the Eagles defenders, he could easily eat. Well, not easily. He could run in for the touchdown for the score. The problem is when you're that far back, then you 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 need a lot of luck to get that in from point you know roughly three five yards out. You need a lot of luck to get that in. So um, yeah, it was not the best play. It was not, it was not the best throw. Dak was very slow on a lot of his throws. Um, so I think he was. He, if there was a, if there was decent coverage, then he was panicking, kind of thing. Could have done a bit better, but C D Lamb really got the be- the better of Darius Slay, and I was really impressed with C D Lamb because he had a magnificent game. As you know, his stats obviously say that, but during the game as well, he was just brilliant. As but the player of the game, I'm giving it to Jake Ferguson because he's a Jake. No, because he's he was fantastic. He's he was de- he was literally. Uh, what 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 he was to Dak in that game is what Mark Andrews was to Lamar Jackson. Couple of things before we move on. You mentioned the rough in the passer on on Reddick, uh, Reddick, which was um, r- ridiculous. I don't know why he did that, but I did see a a few through the different games that I watched. I don't know what rough in the passer is anymore. Oh, that was yeah. that. That one was clearly rough in the passer. You know, it was, it was a stupid. But I saw some rough in the passer called, and you're like, he didn't land on him. He didn't hit him high. He took him to the ground. And then you see other ones where he does hit him high, and it's not called. And I'm going. It's almost like the catch rule all over again. And you're thinking, what is rough in the passer? But you know the other one that bugs me, and we mentioned this. I think it was last week, Jake. Pass interference being a spot foul mm-hmm. is the most stupid rule, I think, in the entire NFL. It's it's utterly, utterly ridiculous because you you cannot say if he hadn't been interfered with, he'd have caught it because we've seen players drop balls. So it shouldn't be a spot foul because you can legitimately get a 60-yard penalty against you. 60 yeah there's no other penalty that even comes close to costing a team like pass interference and for offensive pass interference it's 10 yards i was saying well if he hadn't interfered with me i'd have had the ball i'd have picked it off therefore we should just get the ball back it's it's so stupid it should just be 
if you're going to make it a mandatory thing, 10 yards. If it's 10 yards for the defense, 10 yards for the offense. I don't care if it's 70 yards down the field. You know, it's passing. Because if it had been holding, it's 10 yards, regardless of where it happens. So I wish they would stop with this stupid, stupid spot, uh, spot foul for pass interference. It's the most ridiculous foul, uh, sorry, most ridiculous uh, penalty yardage on any uh, foul called. And I, it does my boxing. I hate it. Anyway, sorry about that. I had to get that off my That's, chest. I, yeah, I, don't, I did think it was box that you were going to use for your uh, word there. But <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, listen, listen there's no Broncos game this week. I had to rant about something. So anyway, um, we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to Allegiant Stadium, um, where the Las Vegas Raiders, with new coach Antonio Pierce, took on the New York Giants in front of 62,082 fans. And to be more accurate, they took on... Tommy DeVito. And mm. this game was never in doubt. Daniel Jones went four of nine for 25 yards. And they, then he went out with an injury, um, which I believe he is now out for the season. Looks yeah. like Daniel Jones is going to be out for the year, which means they are going to be in some serious, serious trouble because as we said last week, again, Jake, Tommy DeVito, it may as well have been Danny DeVito. This man cannot play in the NFL. I don't know what he's doing back there. The Raiders had the easiest win they are ever going to have. 30-6 uh, to six over the Giants. It was never, ever in doubt. Max Crosby had another great game for the, the Raiders. But when, you, when you're up against Tommy DeVito, it's... it's Jake, I'll put it to you. We, we've already mentioned this. We've already mentioned this about the value of a good backup quarterback. But how about just having a backup quarterback who can actually play the game, who can actually throw a ball accurately? You're not telling me that there's not some kid somewhere in college that they could have taken as an undrafted free agent and just went, he'll do. He was the second stringer for Ohio State or the third stringer for Texas A&M. I don't care. Anyone who can throw a ball. DeVito is absolute. He's rank rotten. Giants fans must be killing themselves because Daniel Jones has been garbage and he signed that monster contract and he's still garbage. And then he goes down mm. and the next guy you bring, you would like to think that a franchise bringing in uh, a young quarterback, or maybe he's good. Like, he's not. He's really bad, Jake. What do you think? I mean, we were speaking about it, and it's, you know, it's an elite position. There's not even 32 good starting quarterbacks, but you can't seriously look me in the eye and tell me that there's no adult on this earth that <laughs> isn't better than Tommy Neal. It's just there has to be somebody better. And this is kind of a historic year in the NFL in terms of the amount of rookies we've seen and the amount of kind of backup quarterbacks and backup to the backup quarterbacks. I mean, even Carson Wentz has got a job, so that, that shows kind of the predicament we're in. But, I mean, you just... Nobody wants to see this. I mean, Daniel Jones went out, we all got excited because it means he got to see Tyra Taylor. Well, he's out for like three to four weeks, which means we've either got... Da uh, well, I was going to say Danny DeVito. We've basically got Danny DeVito or Matt Barkley for the next two to three weeks. And I've not checked, but the Giants are probably on prime time because it always feels like they're on prime time. It's just 
I'm sick of watching the Giants. This game, I've got very little notes. Very little notes other than the Giants are going to have a very high draft pick. And please, God, take a quarterback. They need to. They need to sign a quarter. They need a quarterback. I mean, you you were joking about it earlier, Jake. Um, Colin Kaepernick. We've we've brought up Colin Kaepernick, and you know he's <laughs> sending his tapes into teams. In fact, Dave, did you not see that he'd sent in yes, that training tape to the Rams? And we had did. a good old yeah. laugh about Colin Kaepernick. I guarantee you, one hundred percent, Colin Kaepernick would be an upgrade to the quarterback position for the New York Giants. A huge upgrade. And this is nothing personal against Tommy DeVito. It's nothing personal. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Um, he's in a position and he's out of his depth. But the man cannot throw the ball. He, he, just, he just can't throw. It's not like a case of, oh, he has trouble reading defenses. He can't throw. He's a quarterback. Dave, do you have anything to add to this? Or maybe we should talk about the Raiders for a while. You know, because Christian's probably listening going, hey, what about my team? I mean, they, they, they lit up cigars after beating the Giants. I mean, that was a bit excessive. <laughs> well, I think, I think so considering what's happened in the, in the last few weeks, I think the Raiders would take anything as, uh, that wasn't a loss as a celebration, even if it is against the Giants. But the, this, this was pretty poor quality. Aiden O'Connell didn't really have to do anything, and he's not the best quarterback either but you know he's nowhere near what Tommy DeVito is I, I this is this is actually the first time I've seen Tommy DeVito play and it, I was just thinking wow it, it was not a good wow it was just wow and that's all that's the only words I had for it um but yeah I mean the Giants can't protect their quarterbacks either obviously Daniel Jones is he's probably out for the season with his knee injury uh, he was sacked two times in a short span that he was even on the field. Uh, Tommy DeVito was sacked six times uh, within the game. So obviously he's not being protected, but uh, maybe he's got some sort of uh, PTSD from training because the the offensive line just can't protect anyone. It's a, we, I had a little bit of hype for the Giants that they could have, they could improve anyway this year. We're definitely not seeing that. We're not. It's not, just not even close. It's really disappointing what they've been able to manifest. But Max Crosby again. How many times do we have to sing his praise? Was it, you know, he had three sacks in this game. Uh, he had eight tackles as well in total. Uh, the, the the Raiders' offense didn't get out of second gear. The defense wasn't that much better either. The only uh, Xavier McKinney noted down as just being everywhere for the Giants, but no one else was. Was the main problem there? So. Uh, what what do the Giants do going forward? What they can do. Yeah, just exactly. Yeah, get get rid of some of their players. Keep Saquon for, for just for the love of God. Keep Saquon. Uh, the rest kind of put them up for potential trades or just potential release at this point. Um, talk about the Raiders. There's not much to talk about them. The, the Giants just couldn't stop them. They had a pretty competent run game going where they were getting uh, the yards that they needed. Josh Jacobs. Uh, pretty much just shy of 100 yards but he got two touchdowns as well so they couldn't stop the run either and Josh Jacobs uh, well Aidan O'Connell sorry got just over 200 yards and didn't have to do much else so no sacks no picks I did find something good for the Raiders I I felt bad so we have found something good the Raiders scored more points in the first half of week 9 24 
um, than they did in an entire game with Josh McDaniels as head coach. It's because um, so I think I mentioned that. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. They offensive guru uh, Josh McDaniels. The, the Raiders had not managed to um, score twenty or more points on offense. Well, they scored more in, in one half under Antonio Pierce. So there's some good news. And a prediction, bold prediction, uh, Max Crosby is my defensive player of the week for next week uh, because he's going up against the Jets O-line. So I'm just I'm just saying it now. He's well, my defensive I, player of the week before, next week. Before I call that, I'm going to wait and see who the Giants are playing. Uh, uh, Giants are playing the Cowboys next week. All right. Oh, uh, Mike Parsons. It's just, you know, I, I've, got, I've got friends who are Giants fans. And they're... They're despairing because what frightens them the most, I think, from what I've heard talking to them, is that um, you're saying, you know, they, they should get rid of some players, bring in someone. They're likely to get rid of Saquon because he'll get them the most capital, mm. even though he is their entire offense. If they get rid of Saquon, it, it's the, most, the stupidest thing to do. But it seems to be, well, it's what the Giants fans are expecting them to do because they know they'll likely get, you know, well, he's a running back. Maybe you're not going to get two first rounders for him, but you'll you'll get a much better um, haul of picks than you would uh, if, if you got rid of, you know, one of the receivers. So, you know, a tight end and a running, you know, another running back or, or even one of your quarterbacks. Because let's, let's, let's be serious for one second, right? All things being equal. In the off-season, Jake, you're the, the Saints GM. Dave, you're the Rams GM, and I'm the Broncos GM. The Giants are selling. Daniel Jones, you taking him? No. No, of course, no. no. How much are they paying me to take him? Exactly. You're like, <laughs> no one, no one, nobody is going to take Daniel Jones. First of all, because, well, first of all, because he's no good. Secondly, because of that contract. Tyrod Taylor, I'd be interested in, if you could keep him healthy. Be interested in that. Saquon, I am buying Saquon. Absolutely, yeah. I'm taking Saquon off you. But it's so if they're going to get rid of anyone, it'll likely be Saquon or or Tyrod Taylor. They're they're two players that other teams will value uh, and will give up a bit of draft capital for. Nobody else. Name me another player on that Giants offense you would take. Darren Waller, if they could keep him healthy. I suppose there is there is Darren Waller. There is Darren Paris Waller. Slayton isn't bad, but, um, but would it, would I give him up for? Well, look look at the Rams. Uh, Cooper Cup, Pukunakua. Darren Slayton isn't even close to either of them. He's he's barely fit to wipe the shoes. You know, I'd, that, see, I'd, I'd even say the same with the Broncos with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of, but we're getting Tim Patrick back, Marvin Mims. I'm, I I don't I don't need him. Uh, but I would take Saquon. I, I also don't need him. I'm good. Yeah, since we don't, you don't need him. Very few teams need a, a wide receiver. And with no offense to the man, he's not a number one on any team he walks into. And uh, just uh, for uh, one little thing as well, Giants defense. Kaelin Thibodeau is the only one I can even name or, uh, ex except for uh, McKinley. You know, those, those are the two, only two I can name. And in the entire game, they got one QB hit. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's not good. It's enough, not good I'm enough. Afraid. The giant, the giants are going to be in real trouble. Yeah, I mean, they might get killed by the Cowboys. Yes, they, they, uh, uh, yeah, this I mean, could be like wreck because you know the Cowboys, if they get the chance, will run up the score in the Giants. 
They hate well, to do you've it. got an angry Cowboys coming off the back of a lost to the Eagles. This could be a massacre. It, it really could be, and they will not. You know, if they're up by forty by the end of the third, they're not going to. They're not going to slow down. They're going to go for fifty and sixty. That's what they're going to try and do. The current spread at the moment is the Giants getting a seventeen and a half. Seventeen and a half. Yeah, a professional team is getting seventeen and a half points. That is disgusting. Oh my word! I feel sorry for the Giants fans. But gentlemen, we're going to move on, and um, because you know, time time is ticking, um, we come to Paycor Stadium. Ah, change the name, guys! Come on, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, sixty six thousand nine hundred and sixty five fans. Watch Joe Burrow put on yet another clinic at the quarterback position, and I mean. 31 of 44, 348 yards, two touchdowns. Joe Mixon, uh, 14 rushes, 37 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins, eight catches, 110 yards. Josh Allen, 26, 38, 258, one touchdown, one pick. He did rush for a touchdown, 44 yards rushing as well. Stefan Diggs caught six for 86 and a touchdown. It wasn't enough. The Bengals win this one, 24 to 18. And Joe Burrow, in my opinion, right now, is playing the best quarterback play in the entire NFL. Mistake-free football. He's getting it done. Doesn't hurt that he's got three of the best receivers in the entire league on his team. (laughs) That's pretty good. A strong running game. It's a good defense. Once again, the Bills, no idea what they are. I still don't know. After eight, after nine weeks... Nine games, I don't know what the Bills are. But I know what the Bengals are when Joe Burrow is healthy and they are dangerous. I might be putting them up with um, the Ravens and I'm still in on the Chiefs even though they don't have any wide receivers as the top team in the AFC. It would not surprise me in the slightest if Cincinnati are representing the AFC in the Super Bowl this year uh, as long as Burrow stays healthy. Um, Jake, I'll put it over to you quickly. The, the Bills, uh, you know, they had some flashes of looking good in this game, but they just couldn't get it done. Um, and they just couldn't keep up with the Bengals. It was almost looked like a flip side of when the Dolphins played the Bills. The Dolphins just couldn't keep up with the Bills. This one, the Bills just couldn't keep up with the Dolphins. They didn't play badly, but they were making mistakes, making stupid mistakes, and the Bengals weren't. And that, that seemed to be the reason the Bengals won this game. But, Jake, I'll put it to you. What did you see in this? Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe a bit of good news for the Giants. Since we, we said earlier, Josh Allen in his first year looked like a bust. Instepped Brian Dable, made Josh Allen look like an MVP candidate. Since Brian Dable's left, Josh Allen not so much looking like an MVP cabinet. Um, they just can't find a second receiver. Um, it's Stefan Diggs and uh, the tight end Dalton Kincaid which I was very happy because he's in a lot of my fantasy leagues mm-hmm. it felt like every pass was going to Dalton Kincaid and then if it wasn't going to Kincaid it was going to Diggs and uh, Abe Davis no catches on two targets Deontay Hardy no catches one I mean Khalil Shakir is kind of having a, a kind of breakout kind of year he seems to be establishing, uh, establishing himself as a, as a good weapon but it feels like they are so up heavy, we've seen these teams, like you say, with the Bengals, they're so talent rich with weapons. It feels like the Bills have really good stars, but the 
kind of depth just isn't there. Um, and then for the Bengals, so many teams, when they're winning late, go very conservative and they just run the ball three times, try and you know run the clock, get some of these timeouts. The Bengals, they trust Joe Burrow. He makes a big play with less than four minutes to go. Um, like I say, they finally got T. Higgins involved. He's in a contract year and everyone was expecting you know contract year T. Higgins to be a monster. Well, he's been pretty non-existent, but this, this week ain't uh, for 110. Um, and goal to go under Lou... Um, and Narumo, uh, their defensive coach, in the last two years, they are like 21% better than anyone else. They are the definition of a, of a bend-don't-break defense. They, they may give you 60 yards, but those last 20, they're going to make you work for them. Um, like I say, Bengals last year started really slowly. This year they started really slowly, mainly due to Joe Burrow's health. And now they just look like they're geared up for another big run, and you just don't want to be playing them. No, you don't. And Dave, um, Jake mentioned Gabe Davis there. He was, mm-hmm. he was a a wall. I mean, this is a guy who you know, like last year looked fantastic. The last two years has looked really good, legitimate number two receiver or one a receiver. Well, Stefan Diggs, the number one, we know that. He's he's been a non-factor. I mean, the, the Buffalo are just so hot, and I don't know what to make of them. Dave, do you know what to make of this Buffalo team? Well, I think it was um, Matt Hasselbeck that was uh, analysing the game made a comment that when Josh Allen isn't perfect, the Bills are awful. And, uh, I mean, even if you just want to look at the stats alone, uh, you can see that because Josh Allen had 38 attempts at throwing the ball in this game. Rushes that were not by Josh Allen, because obviously the majority of them are not planned quarterback draws or quarterback runs, they had eight carries for 24 yards. They did not want to run the ball whatsoever. Josh Allen, it's 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 kind of like the situation in Kansas City. Uh, if you don't, if the run game's not working, you're putting everything on Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is everything, obviously, but he's done it again and again. Josh Allen, we've seen falter quite a lot when that happens, but the run game wasn't there whatsoever. But the the thing is, though, they didn't even try. They were over the course of the game. James Cook six carries for twenty yards. Latavius Murray. Two carries for four yards. I say that's that's not good enough. That's not going to win you anything. Um, but yeah, I mean the only the thing with Cincinnati though is that I I think they've actually got on their defense. Never, I think Joe, obviously Joe Burrow, best Bengals uh, quarterback in history, and probably playing at the number one as uh, of the QBs in the NFL right now. I agree with you on that one. But Boomer I think will be raging with you. <laughs> so just, will, so will um, Ken Ken Anderson. Oh my word! No, no I, I I think Joe Burrow is now the best Bengals quarterback in history. I I think it's he's just he seems to be getting more the more experience he gets, the more competent he gets, and I think that's really a really underrated quality. But I do I want to highlight the two Bengals linebackers, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, because they were everywhere in this game even when you know D- uh, Dalton Kincaid was getting all his receptions he wasn't getting huge yards though and they were there on him straight away and when, the few times that they did run they were right there you know th- those guys really really helped Cincinnati in this game they were massive contributors obviously Cincinnati have a great offense but they have a very underrated defense I think we probably said this already uh, once or twice this year that their defense is very underrated but I tell you what the linebacks really shone through in this and they knew what jo- uh, what Josh Allen was going to do the majority of this game so 
Uh, massive kudos to them. Just what you were saying as well on Gabe Davis. So last year they also had Isaiah McKenzie uh, within the team. I think he's gone to, is it Indianapolis he is? If I'm not mistaken. Might, might be. Indianapolis, I think he's like wide receiver number two there, maybe. But they had those three, and uh, also they had Khalil Shakir as well. He 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 did make a, a few catches. He's been promoted to wide receiver three, but he's not quite the same threat as Isaiah McKenzie. Put him, Diggs, and Gabe Davis all together; those were pretty good weapons by any anyone's kind of standard. Even you know, even by uh, Cincinnati standard this year. But but like Matt Hasselbeck said. When Josh Allen doesn't play perfect, the Bills tend to lose, and we, we're seeing that a lot of the time. So, mm, I don't know. I think I think the Bills are a little bit short this year of any kind of Super Bowl, but uh, they've got they've got they've got the potential. I think Josh Allen just needs a little bit of help, and they need to actually run the ball a bit more. Well, there's still eight games for these guys to get it all together. So, yes, I- but they're still they're five and four though. They're, the time's running out for Buffalo. Yeah, it is a bit, but, you know, they can still do it. Uh, you know, put together mm. a few wins and we'll have a look. I think we'll still see them in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So we then come to the Monday night game between the Los Angeles Chargers. So you got it right. And the New York mm-hmm. Jets at MetLife Stadium in front of 75,407 people. Uh, once again, this game was never in doubt. The Chargers absolutely crushed them. 27-6. to It opened the scoring with an 87-yard punt return by Darius Davis um, to open the score seven nothing. It was in Austin Eckler touchdown machine that he's been through the past three years. Um, he scored the one yard rush fourteen to nothing. Greg Zerline replied to the field goal. Cameron Dicker and Zerline then exchanged field goals, and then Austin Eckler finished off the scoring three twenty to go with another two yard touchdown rush twenty seven to six. You look at some of the stats in this game. Uh, Herbert might have had statistically his worst game uh, 16 of 30 for 136 yards no touchdowns five sacks uh, he took in this game because that Jets front is still very good he also had a fumble uh, as well but Zach Wilson uh, he fumbled three times lost two of them he was sacked eight times in this game um, Jake I'll put it over to you Jets Chargers what do you think yeah, I put down not a great Herbert game, but that's what the Jets' defense does. I mean, they had 3.4 yards per play, 3.1 yards per pass. That is very, very pedestrian. Um, it's not often the Jets are kind of their second-best defense, but it could be argued this game because the Chargers' defense, who have been pretty poor this year, uh, really had a field day, but that's because the Jets' offense and Nathaniel Hackett stink. And that offensive line is awful, and that's why I was saying Max Crosby is my defensive player of the week for next next week. Um, there's a lot of, obviously, videos of Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball 55 yards, and is he going to come back for a playoff run if, if the Jets get there? If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I don't care if I am miraculously healed. I'm not stepping behind that offensive line. You will get killed. I don't see how you would want to risk yourself behind that offensive line. Just heal up, go again next year, and hopefully start the offensive line, because it would be heroic to come in. It'd be a fairy tale to come in, you know, last few games, run the table like he did in the Packers and get in the playoffs somehow. But he will get killed behind this offensive line. They stink. Yeah, I mean, that's how he got injured in the first place in game one. Yeah. Like, it took four snaps for him to, get, you know, snap his Achilles because his offensive line was terrible. They've been terrible all year. I had no idea how the Jets were 4-3 and three going into this game. 
I mean, the Jets don't know how they're four and three. The defense is the answer, but the Jets themselves don't know how they're four and three. When we're saying the Ravens could be nine and zero, the Jets very easy could be a one win team. Oh, they could. It'd probably be against the Broncos, right enough. Uh, Dave, it's mm. <laughs> over to you. Uh, these these Chargers, that defense does look. And I know, as Jake already mentioned, terrible offensive line. But they look tasty, especially rushing the passer, don't they? Khalil Mack is just... It's almost like Khalil Mack when he was in Chicago. He looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, what uh, Jake was saying there about the Jets' defense, the scoreline doesn't do the, the defense any kind of uh, justice whatsoever. I think Justin Herbert, um, when he was... He was getting the ball out quite quick. Obviously, he wasn't fantastic in the accuracy, but he was getting out quite quick because the, the Jets were getting to him quite quite quickly um but that offense was just awful who in their right mind puts the ball in zach wilson's hand 49 times in a game no nathaniel um, hackett does nathaniel hackett does that's right yeah and you know it's the the i mean they had what 18 uh rushes with the with running backs dalvin cook two carries for seven yards in the game Brees Hall, 16 for 50. They, they couldn't do anything in the run game whatsoever. And Zach Wilson well, can't really do much anyway. Uh, but the only good thing for Zach Wilson is that he wasn't picked. That's literally the only positive I could find in the entire game for Zach Wilson. Um, yeah, they, 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 it was pretty much just a standard game. The Chargers came out firing. They were, what, 17-3 up at halftime. Jets didn't even look like they could get double figures. And surprise, surprise, they didn't get double figures in the entire game. Uh, yeah, it's not promising for the Jets, and I'm not looking forward to Sunday night football with the Raiders and the Jets because I I think it's it's got it, 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 that game anything could happen. It's all I know is that there's not going to be a huge amount of points for the Jets, uh, but and um, I think the Jets defense have the ability to really hold the Raiders defense as well. So yeah, I don't I'm not expecting a big shootout between those two, but if you trade for Dalvin Cook. I use him as much as Brees Hall. Get plays in there where you're going to have two, maybe two running backs. You got three. Uh, you got maybe two two wide receivers, tight end, and the two running backs in one either side of your quarterback. Give Zach Wilson options instead of just putting in the ha- in his hands and his not not the most competent hands in the NFL hands and hope for the best because I think that's what Nathaniel Hackett's doing right now. But you know we all love Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, we're clearly just going to let him keep doing this daylight robbery uh, of whatever he's doing in the NFL right now. But Chargers more than happy to move to four and four. I honestly, I honestly believe that um, I could do a better job as offensive coordinator than Nathaniel Hackett. I, I, I think genu- I genuinely believe it. If someone, if an NFL team gave me a month shadowing any other coordinator, I'd be able to do a better job than Nathaniel Hackett. The man is a complete uh, imbecile. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that maybe he's got some uh, sort of not uh, like pictures showing the commissioner not a great light? That it means he he's guaranteed a job every year. Jake, what no, do you he's think? just mates with Aaron Rodgers. He's they they won't fire our, uh, Nathaniel Hackett because Aaron Rodgers is the GM. Except <laughs> they they signed the deal with the devil. You sign Aaron Rodgers, you know what you sign you sign for. You're gonna he's gonna bring his mates. He's going to bring his wide receivers. Randall Cobb, up until this week, they were still trying to pretend that Randall Cobb is a 2023 wide receiver. They finally admitted that, hey, this granddad, who's not had a good year in God knows how long, isn't the answer. Um, Eventually, we might get there with Nathaniel Hackett, but 
you don't, and you know, the Packers fans and the Packers themselves know you don't annoy Aaron Rodgers. So Nathaniel Hackett will stay there until Aaron Rodgers agrees that he goes. Yeah, just pathetic. Anyway, gentlemen, that wraps up our week nine recap. Yay. So now, gentlemen, we're coming up to our week. Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're going to do our, going to do our week <laughs> backtrack, nine. Backtrack. I keep doing that. We're going to do our week nine WinFL awards. Offensive player of the week. Jake McGee, take it away. I feel like it's pretty obvious. Um, CJ Stroud setting all sorts of NFL records. Left, right, and center. Say 470 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, 147 Point eight passer rating, which I believe was the highest for a rookie ever. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty easy that one for me. Yeah, yeah, the highest rookie passer rating ever, and he had the um, most yards ever and tied the record for the most touchdowns ever. CJ Stroud also gets my vote. Dave, any 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 disagreement with that? There's, there's no point. No, what not what whatsoever. Uh, he was just amazing. So CJ Stroud all the way. Uh, we then come to defensive player of the week, Jake McGee. Who have you got? Well, anyone that follows us on Twitter knows who I'm going to pick. Uh, but this was before a certain other player played. Um, so the home run defensive player of the week, maybe not. Uh, but he is for me. Paul Sardibo, two interceptions, seven tackles, three pass defense, a forced a fumble and recovered a fumble. He had a very, very good game. Um, I'm giving it to Kenny Moore. <laughs> he also That's had two fair. picks, but they went for 115 yards and two touchdowns. He also had seven tackles as well. He, he just played an outstanding game there and uh, almost single-handedly took down the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Dave, who did you have? New Colts star Kenny Moore, of course. There was, there was just no stopping. He was fantastic. And that you know he's probably never going to have a game like that in his career again. And what a game it was. So well done, Kenny Moore. And finally, we come to our special team slash defensive unit of the week. Jake, what are you going for? We did struggle with this compared to the other two, um, but I went for the team we just spoke about. I went for the Chargers. And like I say, not often the Jets' defense is, is second best, and, and that's no slight on them. They still had a great game themselves, but the Chargers had eight sacks, forced three fumbles, four tackles for loss, seven passes defensed. And they kind of just controlled that game even when their quarterback and their offense wasn't having the best game. Um, I'm giving it to a different... I'm giving it to a single player um, who made one play and it was a game-changing play. I'm giving it to Dari Ogunbowale for kicking his 29-yard field goal. A running back on kickoff duties. He kicked a 29-yard field goal. That was very important for the Texans. I mean, they won that game by two points. He accounted for three of them. Um, I'm giving it to him for stepping in and being an emergency kicker. Dave, what about yourself? You stole my pick because I was <laughs> going to go for Ogunbowale as well. He's the first, first player to score a field goal since Wes Walker scored. Since so, Wes Walker. Sure there's been a few kickers that have scored. Yeah, goals. Matt Gay banged in like four this week. Who are you talking <laughs> about? Well, no, okay. <laughs> Even he's a first, scored one. Okay, he's the first non-kicker <laughs> to score go. a field goal. Just, you, just both of you, absolute spoonsters, both of what? you. So, but I, that's what I'm going to give it to. D- Dara Ogunbowale. Yeah, fantastic. What a great story and what a great game that was. Okay, gentlemen, so we now come to our week 10. Rapid fire. 
preview. We start <laughs> Thursday Night Football. Carolina Panthers at the Chicago Bears. They're on primetime again. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I'm taking the Panthers to win their second game in an absolute nail-biter. 18-17, six field goals for the Panthers. 18-17, Jake. I'm carrying on my impeccable record from last week, and I'm going, bear down. Uh, the Panthers are 0-5 when visiting Chicago. I will have faith in the Bears, even if it isn't uh, Justin Field playing. Um, 17-14. to 14. The Bears, I'm going to pick the Bears. I'm going to pick the Bears for a win in this one. I'm going to say they're going to win by 24 points to 20. We then have the Indianapolis Colts at the New England Patriots, and I've got the Colts winning again. Um, I think the Patriots will not get anything done, and I have faith in Gardner Minshew, and I'm taking the Colts to win this one in another close game, 16-13. to 13. Yeah, you might have judged or guessed from earlier when I said Bill Belichick has a, a single flight out to Germany. I, I also have the Colts winning 21-20, to 20, though. Ooh, uh, well, I, I've gone for a slightly different path. I've still got the Colts, but I think it's going to be a bit of a landslide. I'm going to go for 27 points to 9. Yeah. You're really trying to get Bill fired. He's really mm-hmm. desperate to get it. I should have mentioned that that one is a half past 2 p.m. kickoff for us. That's mm-hmm. the, the second game in Germany. Uh, we then have the on the uh, Sunday afternoon slate, or 6 o'clock slate for us guys, um, Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens will crush the Browns. I've already beaten them once and I know this Browns defense is good but I think this Ravens team as long as they stay healthy um, I've got them winning big in this one by a score of 27 to 10. I've got the Ravens winning but I've got it being a a vintage AFC North defensive battle 15 to 13 to the Ravens. (laughs) I'm going against the tide. I'm going to pick the Browns. I've, I've, I'm going to set a similar line of a very low scoring like Jake has, but I'm going to go for 17 points to 13 for the Browns. Ooh. We then have the Green Bay Packers at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be another Mike Tomlin game. The Steelers will win this one 16-14. Yeah, I've got a quite similar, very low scoring, uneventful affair, but the Steelers will somehow win 14-10. to Two teams that I've grown to dislike in the last month very strongly for multiple reasons. Uh, but I'm going to pick Mike Tomlin to just do over the Packers here. I'm going to pick them to win by 20 points to 13. We then have the Houston Texans traveling to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, sorry, CJ, but I think this Bengals defense is going to be too good for you. Uh, although they will score some points, I've got it going to be 30 to 26 to the Bengals. Yeah, the Bengals, last time I checked, were getting, well, were seven and a half point favourites, which I think is, is pretty rich. I, mm. I have a lot of faith in my Texans, just not enough faith, I'm afraid. 27 24 to the Bengals. Oh, I, I didn't know what the spread was before this, but I, I think the Bengals cover it by half a point because I've got the Bengals winning by 31 points to 23. Uh, we then have the New Orleans Saints at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Jake, I'm taking your Saints. I am. I don't think Joshua Dobbs will be able to do it again. I think the Saints will have enough tape on him to be able to do something. And I've got the Saints winning this one fairly comfortably. The score of 24-16. We will preface it by saying I'm absolutely terrified of Josh Dobbs because we made 
Tyler, Tyson, Pageant, whatever his name is. We made him look like Cam Newton. He run, <laughs> run, he, he ran everywhere. So Joshua Dobbs, who is a good running back, yes. uh, like a running quarterback, is, is worries me. But I, I do have the Saints winning twenty two twenty. But I am nervous. Ooh, I've got I've got twenty three twenty for the Saints. I think they're just Derek Carr's just going to get the job done. We then have the Tennessee Titans at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I reckon this Buccaneers defense uh, comes good against the Titans. Uh, I've got them then winning this one, a close one, twenty to eighteen. Almost very similar. Bucks twenty three to twenty. <laughs> I've got the Bucks twenty points to seventeen. Hey. <laughs> We're all in the same ballpark. We then have uh, two teams coming off a bye. San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm taking the Jaguars to hand the 49ers their fourth straight loss, even though they're coming off a bye. Well, the Jaguars taking a beating. The 49ers, ab- absolutely, absolutely. But I've got faith in the Jaguars. I've got faith in Patrick's team here. And they're going to win this one in an absolute nail-biter. Overtime, 30-27 to with a field goal. You stole my overtime moment, but I've also gone the 49ers, but I've gone oh I've gone the 49ers in overtime. Twenty-three to twenty. Their defensive coordinator is is moving down to the to the field. You always love when coordinators <laughs> do this. Matt Canada did it last week. Didn't seem to change an awful lot for the Steelers. Uh, we'll see if Steve Wilkes moving down to the field helps the 49ers. Let's go, Jags. Because I, I think they're gonna get it. I I I've I've got it as a one point spectacle of 20 points to 19 with no no confidence in my score whatsoever but let's go jags uh we then have the atlanta falcons at the arizona cardinals um and i i don't think the cardinals can do anything um i don't have much faith in the falcons but the cardinals can do nothing at all so i've got the falcons running this one by a score of 24 to 7 how little faith vegas has in the falcons the cardinals are only getting one and a half points that's Definitely the least amount of points wow. the Cardinals have got all year, and that's with Kyle Murray probably not playing. Um, I've got the Falcons winning a very uneventful game, seventeen to ten. Yeah, I, I, I'm more closer to Neosa here because I've got I've got them winning by twenty eight points to ten, and I, I I think that we might see Kyler come in uh, just for a little bit of a run out if he can, because last week they did say he's quite close. We then have the Detroit Lions at the Los Angeles Chargers. This was a fun one to pick. But I apologise, Ewan. I'm taking the Chargers at home, uh, even though it'll sound like it's in Detroit. Uh, and I've got them winning this one in an absolute shootout. 42-39. to 39. What, a, what a game. Um, yeah. I have trust in the team that uh, is not bottle jobs, that has not made a career on being bottle jobs. So I picked the Lions... 30 to 25. Oh, I, I also have 30 for the Lions. But I've got 31 for the Chargers. I think it's just going to be a one-point ball game. Chargers win 31-30. I, I'd never pick against the Lions. You and, you I think the Lions are my second team. I just think this That was a situation. really good impression there, Jake. Was, Thanks. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, we then, don't quit the, jo- the day job. <laughs> we then have the Giants traveling to Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. Um, and I think Tim's going to be extraordinarily happy with this one because I honestly believe the Cowboys are going to beat the living hell out of the Giants in this one. 56 to 10. Ooh. 
Well, when I checked, it was 15 and a half, half points. I think Dave said it was now 17 and a half. So I think it's <laughs> yeah. just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. I went slightly more modest. I went 35 to six for, for the Cowboys. Just oh, yeah, for the Cowboys. Sure. <laughs> No, I've I've got faith. I I, th- I think that uh, the Jets will get double digits in this game. So I've gone for forty five points to the Cowboys and ten for the. Uh, sorry, it's wrong, wrong New yeah. York, but t- for the guys, but wrong New Jersey. But uh, forty five points to ten. We then have the Washington Commandos at the Seattle Seahawks, and I think the Commandos sneak this one. Another overtime game for me. I'm taking the Commandos winning this one, nineteen to sixteen. I still have a bit more faith in the Seahawks. They were they were playing well up until coming up against uh, the Ravens. I got them winning twenty eight to twenty four. I had a lot of trouble picking this game, uh, but I I think there's it's going to be a high scoring game. So I, I'm I'm going to pick that the Seahawks are going to win with a game winning drive. By uh, it's it's going to be they're going to score a touchdown to make it thirty three points to twenty seven. Oh. We then have the New York Jets at the Las Vegas Raiders. I have no faith that this Jets offense is going to do anything, but I'll give them a consolation score as the Raiders run away with a 27-7 win. I think this is the lowest under I've seen all all year. 35.5 points is the over or the under. Uh, I sent that to Ewan, and Ewan says, bang the over at uh, the under. Mm. He was... He was <laughs> Adamant that this is going to be a, a very dire game. I, I do have the Jets winning seventeen to thirteen. Wow, it's it, it's actually gone uh, gone down. It's it's running between thirty five and thirty six now. So, uh, or yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it's it's going to be it's it's going to be a low scoring game. I think we we can all agree on that. But I'm going to take the Raiders to win by seventeen points to thirteen. And then, on finally, the Monday night game where we have the Denver Broncos. At the Buffalo Bills. And you know I'm taking my team. Because I always do. And I'm not changing it. The Denver Broncos will win this game. 17-14 to against the Bills. Well, I've got good news for you. I picked the Broncos <gasps> to cover the spread. <sighs> um, <laughs> the Bills win 27-20. to yeah, Cheers, I was Jake. just about to say. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I, I, I the spread is seven and a half in this game. Uh, I, I'm, I'm picking the the Bills. I'm afraid. I, I just you can't. I don't, I don't know. Unless you're a Bronco, you can maybe pick the Broncos. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Bills here. I'm going to say that they are going to put it up on uh, Denver. I think it's, they're going to keep them honest. So I think it's going to be thirty-one points to twenty. But Buffalo just too. Not even cover the spread. Wow. Wow. You've been too kind. You're thirty-one twenty. Shocking behaviour. So, gentlemen, that wraps up our week ten preview. So we do have time for one a final, final segment, and it is, of course, random stats. Random stats. Random stats. Random stats. Um, why don't I go first this week? I've got a nice short one for you guys. Nice short one. So. We have a gentleman. My random stat uh, is actually, actually, do you know what? I've got, I've got two random stats, but one is, one is just stupid. It's not a stat at all. In the history of the NFL, there's been many, many players called Tim. There's been loads of players called Jake. Loads of players called Dave. There's been loads and loads and loads of Andrews. 
There's never been an Ian with two eyes ever taken a single snap in the NFL. What do you think of that? Shocking. Come on. Come on, boys. Need to get an, an <laughs> Ian with two eyes into the NFL. Anyway, that's not my actual random stat. I just noticed that. <laughs> okay. so that's that <laughs> that's very shocking. <laughs> but my, my random stat's even more random. We're going to talk about a gentleman, a quarterback, by the name of Gary Keithley. Yes. Gary Keithley, who um, was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals in the second round of the 1973 NFL draft. In his career, he only appeared in 14 games. He only started two games. He has a record of one and one in his career, right? So that's, you know, something. One and one in his career. Those two games that he started, he became the only player in the history of the NFL to have back-to-back zero passer ratings. <laughs> in week 13 of the 1973 season he went 2 out of 10 for 20, for 20% completion 9 yards no touchdowns 1 pick they won that game 32-10 to 10 against mm-hmm. the Atlanta Falcons the following week against the Dallas Cowboys he went 6 out of 20, that's 30%, for 30 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. They lost that one, 30-3. to three. He's the only player ever to have back-to-back 0.0% passer ratings, and he went 1-1. One and one. Um, That's the story of Gary Keithley from 1973. Uh, and that is my random stat. If we were on the roster for that game, we would have had a better passer rating. <laughs> Do you think... The punter probably had a better passer rating. Oh, wow. Do you think um, that Tommy DeVito would have, <laughs> would have done better? That's so I was... There was a first name... I, that When you were saying that, the first name popped into my head, Tommy DeVito. Sorry, <laughs> Tommy. If you're, if you're listening, I'm not, I, we're not ragging on you, Tommy. If you're listening, you've got better things to do, all right? You're a starting quarterback for a terrible team. <laughs> Turn this off right now and watch some bloody tape. Go and practice throwing. Uh, so yeah, anyway, that's the story, Gary Keithley. Um, who wants to go next? I'll go. Uh, Dave, yeah. Dave, go for it. What's your random stat? I'll go. Well, we, we've been talking about um, horrific uh, scorelines and boring scorelines before. Well, you know, especially with our predictions, you know, they're not especially with the Raiders game and things like that, we're not expecting high scoring. So I went to look at some of the lowest scores in games in history. Now, obviously... The lowest score possible would be no, would be zero zero. Since the merger, that has never happened. Next, what would be the lowest score? Two zero. Two zero. The one one safety and no a shutout for their team. That's never happened either. However, gentlemen, three and zero is the next possible score. Three well, to zero. Oh, sorry, sorry. Total score three three. three yes, yeah, total yeah, yeah. score three nothing is a that. Now, that has happened six times in the NFL. And the last one was in 2007. Now, do you remember that game? I'm going to say it was the Steelers and the Dolphins. And it was the rain game. That was was the one where, and I forget which team, I think it was the Steelers punted. And the ball comes down. And you can find this clip on YouTube. And the ball comes down and just goes thud 
in the mud. It doesn't bounce. <laughs> and it just goes, duh, splat. Yeah. Uh, the splat it, punt. Was that the splat, splat punt? Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, it, it was basically the second mud bowl of all time because I think originally it was in the early 70s, maybe, or the early 80s, there was another mud bowl. Uh, but this one was the most recent one in history. Um, now, the the unique thing about this is that this game was the longest in NFL history where the score was nil-nil in it because the Steelers scored that winning field goal with 17 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And on that game-winning drive, there was three receptions for Heinz Ward. And what Heinz Ward said is that every time he took a step, he was worried he was going to fall through the field because he could not see the grass because of the the puddles on it. He could not see the ground because of the puddles on it. So every so often, a player would step in a puddle and just <laughs> half his leg would disappear. It was that kind of, it was that kind of weather, but you know, going into the game though, I, I, it, it was see the teams were very astronomically different in their records because the Dolphins were winless at this stage. They they were they they went to zero and eleven after this game. The Steelers went to eight and three, and they nearly snuck it a couple times, but for fifty nine minutes and forty three seconds of the game, it was zero zero. And as the longest period since the merger anyway, where this game has been nil-nil. And that is just my simple, but very funny, because if you go to YouTube and look at the clips, some of the plays, they just, every single man at one point was embarrassed that took to that field, including, as you pointed out, the punter, which I was going to say, because that was just, it was just, yeah, don't. It just lands. Yeah. So for everyone that did not attend that game, that was more comedy on a pitch. And uh, the other thing as well, the attendance at that game, 57,700 people watched that game. Wow. Uh, and at, at Acrisure Stadium. So that is my random story. Uh, well, it would have been Three Rivers was Stadium. It? Was it? I thought it was Acrisure by that point. Also, just a, just a, it's... It, have you ever heard of a more Mike Tomlin game? We should have I known was back then. He was the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tomlin. Yeah, it was his first year as Pittsburgh head coach, and of course he wins three zero. Do you know in, what? In his first I, bet, year. I bet he won that game and went. Every game should be like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is football. Winning. Yeah, that's a winning formula, football. right there. Yeah. We gotta love Mike Tomlin, but, but yeah, that's my random stat right there. Lovely, Jake. What have you got for us? I've gone back in history a little bit, and it's more to do with this day in particular. I will date the podcast. That is Wednesday, the the eighth. Um, Fifty three years ago today, New Orleans Saints kicker Tom Dempsey set an NFL record by kicking a sixty three. Um, yard field goal in Old Tulane Stadium to defeat the Detroit Lions. Uh, obviously, since then, we've had Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Uh, he's the current record holder kicking a 66-yard field goal in 2021 versus the Lions. Um, so, bit something about the Saints, something about a record, bit of history, and something about the poor Lions. History always <laughs> finds the Lions. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I may have done. 
Um, or if this has come up in the podcast before, but um, Tom Dempsey, who scored that 63-yard field goal, was a, a straight-on kicker. He didn't kick. We're so used now to what they what in America they call the soccer style kicker, where you swing in your leg from out to the side, you know, like they do in football in soccer. Um, Tom Dempsey was a straight ahead kicker. It's a bizarre thing to watch if you watch old videos oh, of it, and it's just a straight, like almost like a punt. Yeah. Also, Tom Dempsey had a club foot. Mm-hmm. He was missing the front part of his right foot. So he had a special shoe made that enabled him to kick because he didn't have, I mean, literally, he, he only had half a foot. Uh, if you watch any, any videos on YouTube, anyone who's uh, checking this out, uh, watch for the video of Tom Dempsey. Um, and there was a video by, I want to say it was Secret Base, but I can't remember, where they talked about how Tom Dempsey changed the rules because some teams were going, that's not fair. <laughs> He's got an advantage, and you're like, not fair ma- that this disabled man <laughs> is like, getting a chance to be an NFL kicker. Like the dude's literally got half a foot. How's he got an advantage? Um, it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, they, I think it's Secret Base have got a, a video on YouTube about Tom Dempsey and that kick, um, and it's uh, well, well worth a watch actually. But yeah, Tom Dempsey, since legend. And well, that record. Of, uh, sorry, I was just going to say as well. Uh, I forgot this week we also had a doink. I'm pretty sure the Browns kicker got we a doink, have a doink. As well against the Cardinals. Yeah, we got uh, a Bears, Bears doinked it against the Saints as well. And oh, I'm, yeah, pretty sure, as well. I'm pretty sure the Saints then doinked it as well. I'm pretty sure we had two doinks. <laughs> we had at least. I, 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 I remember the Bears one because I was like, oh, the Bears doinked it again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, the Browns got it as well. So yeah, just uh, and obviously we're talking about the Lions and Doink. So <laughs> there we go. Justin Tucker's the probably the best Doink of all time, right there. Sixty-seven yards mm-hmm. indoors. That's ridiculous. And gentlemen, that wraps up uh, this week's episode. Um, so, Dave, thank you very much for coming along. Not at all. Thank you very much, Neosasaurus. Hey, and uh, <laughs> he is. For those who can't see, he's referencing my uh, hoodie that my lovely wife bought me. Uh, a couple oh, of years I thought ago. he was calling you old. But he does that <laughs> I anyway. Know, I wasn't. Dave. I wasn't. He doesn't, he doesn't I, need. I, I can't say anything nice. It's, you, you, just, you just take that spoon and you. Yeah, we'll do whatever you want with it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough of you, Dave. Jake, <laughs> thanks very much for coming along. Anytime, I'm happy to stir. Excellent. Uh, and uh, thank you to everyone uh, listening. Don't forget you can catch us on Twitter X uh, at The WinFL Show. You can also find myself, Dave, Jake, Tim, Patrick, Star Trek, still keeping that going, uh, on <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, we will see you on next week's edition of The WinFL Show. <laughs>